0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Podcast. Today, Pochfad and Star will be having another absolutely riveting conversation with more wonderful, talented, and inspiring people. So, grab that drink, get your butt comfy, and hold on to your seat. This is The Podcast.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Podcast. We're here to tickle your eardrums. That sounded weird. We're here to hang out with you and have fun. Enjoy an afternoon, a morning, an evening, a night, whenever you're listening to this, just to hang out. So let's, let's put our feet up on the coffee table. I don't mind. I don't mind. Some people do. I don't. Put your feet up on the coffee table, sit back, and let's hang out. Today we have, uh, we have two beautiful people that we're talking with. One you may know It's Star. Star, how are you doing today? I'm still standing she's sitting down um so star here she's still standing but but the the star of the show <laughs> see what I did there um so <laughs> there's a wonderful person some of you may know some of you may not um and it if you if you've ever been interested in I don't know writing with any depth, and, and I'm not I'm not you know putting anybody down if you just like to write silly stories or just you know basic things. But if you really want to figure out how to write something that's on the the New York bestseller or the New Hampshire bestseller or your local town's bestseller, then what you want to do is you want to you want to stop and you want to listen to this dude right here. This dude right here, I'm blown away. okay, I've sat and watched the writing process and, and it's nuts. Like, I didn't realize the amount of effort and detail that went into it. And that's just one small aspect of this person's um, talent and, and, and what they are and who they are and everything else. But the person I'm talking about is Zan. Zan, how are you doing today? I am swimming. I, You know, I don't even know how to wait. I don't, because I can see you <laughs> and you are not in a pool. <laughs>
0: Or a hot tub or a river
1: or a lake or an ocean or any large Look, I'm water. I am really confused now because Star is still standing but sitting. Zan is swimming in a chair with no ocean. Yep. Well, you're either swimming or drowning. Okay, no, I see that. Okay, cool. And and you are breathing. So so I think I think we're good. I think I think we know what's going on here. Uh, both of you defy logic and <laughs> reality, and I like this. Because, I'm here for it. <laughs> Take it outside the stadium. <laughs> I like it. So I, I had I had a number of, of questions. I just want to jump right into it, and and it's not even, like, going into, like, the depths of everything. But I did have, like a couple important questions. Um, this one, in- inquiry minds really, really want to know. I'm gonna paint a picture and then I would love for you to just just finish it. However, you would want to finish it So just just picture this you you're you're going about your day It could be any day of the week Monday through Sunday it doesn't matter Um, any day of the week and you You're you're taking you know one step in front of the other left right, you know moving your way you end up in your kitchen, right? So you're in your kitchen You're looking around and you're like hey I'm going to make a sandwich, and and so you get the, the bread, you get the condiments, the big important question that people really want to know, really want to know, what are you putting on your sandwich today?
2: Uh, today, I'm on my sandwich, I'm putting hard salami and uh, I think cheddar cheese on a bagel,
3: Ooh. On, an
2: onion, on an onion bagel. Ooh. Yeah. With a little bit, like you can buy this wasabi. It's not like wasabi sauce, like you get with sushi, but it's sort of like a mayonnaise wasabi thing, and then I put that on.
1: Okay, that's good stuff. I know what yeah. you're talking about.
0: Yeah. See, I was gonna ask the important question. Already, <laughs> already.
1: Oh, oh. Okay.
0: Mayonnaise or
1: Miracle Whip? Mm-hmm. Miracle Whip. Oh, oh, we got a, we got a Miracle Whip guy. Whoa! Uh-huh. Stop the press. Hold the front door. Yeah, yeah, I like I like um, what do you
2: um, vinegary tastes better than I like just like flat egg tastes and stuff.
1: Gotcha. Uh, gotcha, ha-
2: gotcha. I mean, hey, even like oh, even ahead. when I, even when I make eggs, I put some togurishi on it just to make sure it doesn't have that flat taste.
1: You see, it, it, having having depth to whatever you're eating, I'm down with it. Like I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Um, he just I,
0: has depth all the way around.
1: <laughs> See, I'm, I'm liking the bagel though Like now I'm intrigued Because I love onion bagels I, I will just eat an onion bagel and some butter Onion bagel and some cream cheese Like onion bagels are good Mix that with some some Wasabi mayo And now I'm kind of hungry uh, so that was the end of this podcast. I'm going to go eat. <laughs> yeah. uh, the only thing I like better than an onion bagel
2: is I have to go. I have to go to the farmers market to get them. Though there's these, there are these rosemary and salt bagels that are made by local by locals, and they're really good. But then I have to walk around uh, regular people to get them, and that's oh, <laughs> I'm oh, like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I stand out. Like I stand out, like I, I might forget that I'm wearing something weebish, right? Like the pants I'm wearing now. And then I'll go walking amongst people and I'll have like, I'll have, I'll have pants like this with, with kanji all over them. And I'll have like a, a straw hat too. And people are just like, what the?
1: Maybe, what? hey, maybe that'll play in your favor though. Cause they'll move out of your way so you can get to the bagels quicker, get back home and not have to go in the out as much. You would think. You would think, but <laughs> you would hope, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that is delightfully wonderful. But that that okay. My question then now now I'm intrigued with this whole bagel uh, fiasco. Is the the rosemary and stuff? Is it when they when they bake it, do they put it in the dough before they cook it, or is that an after seasoning? I think
2: it's sort of. I think it's more on top. So I, not, okay. I don't, it's not in the actual dough. Um, uh, it's still like it's the right place to put that particular thing but like mm-hmm. the we have a place called Berry's bagels that has jalapeno cheddar and those are those are baked in that's that's the right thing for those bagels yeah. it seems.
1: that's like when when people do that that uh, garlic clove chunks so not just yeah. like the, the the dusting of the garlic but like when they actually put the clove chunks they, yeah. it fits better within the the bread or whatever they're making it in compared to like a dusting which would go on the outside marsh so, i got you
2: yeah yeah plus it's like chunk of garlic's like oh surprise
1: right <laughs> to me it's a good surprise <laughs> yeah it's like oh my god the, the world is good the yeah world is good. Oh, yeah, yeah I've had to where we take like a big thick chunk of either sourdough or or you know some sort of bread like that. And you take whole cloves and just wedge it down into these. And I'm talking like two inch slices of bread. You wedge the, the, the cloves of garlic into it, you put a little olive oil over it and throw it in the in the oven. Oh, and then it soft. bake for a little bit. Ooh, that bread is 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 uh it, it, it's my guess of what heaven heaven smells and tastes like. Mm, you know, yeah, you ever really think, really think about biting into heaven? Do love nice and garlic? I didn't ever actually Ooh. think about biting heaven until just now, but now I know what it would be like if I was to bite heaven. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I've ever said that. So this is a first, everybody. Uh, yeah. Talk about biting heaven.
2: I mean, I've heard the reverse; heaven bites, but I haven't. Heard
1: that <laughs> <laughs> so, you you are a man of, of many talents. Um, I did mention about your writing, which I do want to get into in a little bit. Um, but one of the things that I've learned about you, and, and we've known each other now for for I don't know, a couple years, a year, year and a half. Uh, I think it's been about it's almost two years. Yeah, yeah. Is is the uh, the music so? i'm i'm super excited because i'm a big fan of music i love music i love a lot of different styles of music but you i mean like i've heard experimental music but you really introduced me to even thinking about the process that goes into making it uh, and, and to me like the the fact of hearing you practice because in my head and forgive me right because this is just this is you know the the person that doesn't know, when you hear experimental music, it sounds, it can sound, it used to sound to me, like, okay, they just started fucking around with stuff and went with weird noises, right? That was the original. Then I started, like, talking to you and hearing your practicing, talking to you about your process of doing it, and it's actually a very calculated sort of thing that you're doing there. Um, What got you into experimental music?
2: Well, it can be, it can be really calculated. It could also be like really spontaneous. Okay. Uh, but uh, I tend to like to uh, do like uh, have a framework of instruments that I work with, and like I work, I'll practice with those instruments for a week or two weeks or a month. I'm pretty obsessive about that. But sometimes you go to a workshop and you've got like a tambourine, a spring. And, like, just a box full of stuff that you make noise with with other people. Okay. But, um, so, way back, uh, probably, I, I think I was playing music that sounded more like Radiohead. And, uh, way back, my friend introduced me to a place called, uh, this this event that was happening called Frequency Fridays. And, uh, it was, it's put on by the Fuse Factory. And, um, I started going to that, and I just started thinking, this is, this is sort of, like, it's, it's what I like uh, okay. especially the ambient stuff. Some of the experimental stuff could be like you walk in and you see somebody and it looks like they're just having a real catharsis and it's just like nope that's I'm gonna just go back outside and <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. but uh, sometimes you would go in and uh, you know be good stuff. Uh, I've seen both the best and the worst. Uh, sounds I've ever heard at at those places, but thats I think that that's sort of rather the point with the worst stuff is, so uh, you know, I was going to those, the stuff I was playing was sounding you know, sort of Radiohead-ish but um, after one of those sessions uh so i decided to just sort of support it where i could and i Mm -hmm. started going to a couple of workshops like the musicians would come through and the next day to make a little extra money because like a lot of them are sleeping in bands uh traveling the traveling the country um things like that um but uh, so it goes to workshops. I went to this, I had this, it was really, I, it, probably the best and worst things that that happened to me at the same time. I attended a, wor- a <laughs> workshop with a guy named Thalam McDonough, and this is when I had, I was seven songs deep into a 10 song album, and I was about ready to release something for a change. And right. uh, I took this, I took this workshop and I went home and I was determined that I wasn't going to release one damn bit of it. Because um, what I was doing with my music was imitating Um, the sounds that I was putting into my music were just the sounds that I was, quote, unquote, supposed to put into my music. So, Uh you know, yeah, it's like when you're playing, you know, alt rock, then you expect to hear like jangling guitar. You expect to hear these, you know, if you're playing, if you're playing, if you're doing uh, hip hop, you have that 808, right? You got got that bass. Uh, there are things that you're supposed to do. And then I uh-huh. went back and realized that the sounds, whereas the music I was doing, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, uh, right. But it was not the sounds that I was putting into my music didn't have a mean. The only meaning they had was in reference to other cultural context, basically. they I, I sounded that way because other people sounded that way, and that's what you're
1: supposed to do. Right, right, okay. Just so after, into the, the genre of, of the music that you were doing, you had to hit certain notes or you had to do a certain cadence or everything yeah. else.
2: Yeah. And for me, I don't know if everybody would come to the same conclusion. Uh, but um, for me, I was just sort of I, it, it introduced me to what sounds mean, even when they're not music. So like, okay. for ex- for example, when I was growing up, I we lived in a duplex that was of you know maybe it was less than an eighth of a mile away from I seventy one. So at night when I go to sleep, there'd be that hissing, that that sound way in the background that helped me sleep. And if you listen to some of my music, you'll hear similar sounds, uh, the sounds of traffic. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's like especially. Um, uh, or there'll be sounds, uh, that I've taken, uh, while I've been like in an event. So, uh, there was this, there's this really big guy in ambient, called Lus- his name is Lustmord. If you get to see him once in a lifetime, you're lucky. He doesn't get around. And the big reason he came to Columbus was because we have a big Omnimax screen that, or a big Omnimax that we do the planetarium on at the Center of Science and Industry. And he okay. wanted to do his visual show up on that. So he came by and like his bases were so deep that it felt like you were taking off on a on a spaceship. It was awesome. But uh, later when we went down into the garage, they they have one of those huge industrial you know um, air conditioners that's making this noise. So I I the phone that I was that was my regular phone at the time. I still have it for recording because the microphone on it is so great. But and it's it's better than like carrying around like a a zoom thing with two mics. Uh, well, is it better? I feel less self-conscious. Let me put it that way. So I put it (laughs) on top of the car for a while and just recorded that noise. I took the noise and I made, I did different things to it and it's in like several of the things I've done. But, um, one of the, uh, one of our best friends, uh, Mary Margaret Brown, she went with us to that last concert and last uh, last time she had a birthday. I didn't, I just didn't have money for a present. So I put together, uh, uh like a a piece uh that's it's on my soundcloud and it has that the sound of that giant air conditioning unit at at the base of it something that we both uh something that we both experienced
1: okay okay
2: so you take you take your songs from the sound up so a lot of a lot of people will put things that they love into their uh into their music like uh, hip-hop's great for it because mm-hmm. hip hop will take an actual sample. This is what we used to sit around in a living room and listen to, yes. and now yeah. I'm going to make this, this, is, this memory is going to be a part of my music now. And uh, so that's, that's a good example, but you always should, you should always, and once you start tuning into sounds themselves, uh, you find that sound has significance, even if you can't say what the significance is, it creates a feeling inside of you, and that's what music does anyway is, right, is good. yeah so if you start from the sound up uh that's that's gonna that's what i felt like i had to do after that uh after that um
1: workshop that's that's a really like it, it's things that <clears throat> for a lot of people and, and I, I can't speak for everyone of course but for a lot of people you hear music you just hear music there's uh, you know, the thing going around where, see if you can't bob your head to, you know, because you hear that familiar sound of whatever. So like, just like you're saying, you know, like, you hear something, you're like, oh, yeah, that, you know, and it makes you want to move or it, it, it uh, evokes a feeling, you know. So, like, you're like, hey, this. Yeah. It makes it makes a lot of sense. Like, it, you saying that, like, the freeway. Um, you know, when I was young, same thing. We used to have the window open. My brother used to joke that it was the ocean that we could hear. We were about four blocks away from the, yeah. you no, know, maybe five blocks from the freeway. I mean, we were ten blocks from the ocean, but you know what we heard was the freeway. <laughs> yeah, know, we, we yes. the ocean. Yeah. Yes. 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 And and there was the variance, you know, of, of sound because depending on if a semi went by or you know if there's more or less traffic. Um, but it was it was actually very very soothing. That just made me think about there was a movie that I was watching this old uh, 80s movie I think um, the guy was doing tap dancing and um, you know he was really getting into it and he was just like it took everybody from the auditorium or whatever they were in and was just like if you really want to know it you got to go out and hear the sounds that you hear and went out into the street I think they're in New York and so they were listening to the construction and he started making a rhythm with the sounds that he was hearing outside. So, you know, the, the, I think there was a jackhammer and then somebody was, you know, dropping a, a trash can and, you know, like all the different yes. sounds, the taxi going by, and he was tapping to the rhythms and to the the sounds that he heard on a daily basis, you know? To, and and I, I remember seeing that a long time ago, going, that was really, really cool, but I thought about that just now when you were talking about that. You know, it, it's a little bit different tap to say the sound of you know the air conditioner, but it's the same sort of concept where you're hearing familiar sounds, imitating them or using them, um, yeah. and and it creates that familiarity with the music that you might not even put two and two together, but it's still there.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like it's that's the I think a lot of that had to do with the rise of industrial music, especially in Germany. Oh yeah. And uh, the the cool thing is, um, I believe that uh, I think one of the people I've seen it the most with uh, maybe might be Sting. Is that the more you travel and the more experiences you have, the more you start putting stuff into your music from where you've been. And uh, so, like Sting uh, was, he had a song called Desert Rose that was very uh, very Arabian. Um, Oh, okay. It used those. It used those scales. Uh, like uh, I was uh, so. A lot of a lot of the way I play and the way I approach things has to do with the fact that when I was really young, I read uh, just picked up at the library a book uh, called uh, "in in our in our language it's a book of five rings" by Miyamoto Musashi, and it's okay. a it's a uh, it's a book that um, it's sort of a, it's a book on strategy, and it was. Uh, Japanese businessmen, businessmen at the t- at the time and still probably always use it for business instead of uh, well because businesses were. But um, so I got like I got Japanese. Um, culture into my thought almost like like at a very young age so that led to seeing like kodo drummers of japan which if if you ever get a chance to see them that that's probably one of the most amazing that's probably the most amazing live show i've ever seen
1: they, isn't the those big drums that they hit with the large sticks is that the drumming
2: yep so that's called a Odaiko no and you have one guy on either side one guy's doing the basic the other guy's over on the other side uh, doing solo work the entire time so the uh but they also had these small drums. Uh and they did uh what they did while I was there, they had they played the drums. They were lined up across the front of the stage and they were evenly spaced out and there was somebody sitting at every one of the small drums and they were going back and forth and the music might sprout in the middle and go out to the drummers to either end, or it might start at one end and go to the other end. It ended up sounding like what I would think uh, rain being driven by an inconstant wind would. And uh, when I was talking to other people, they, they got the exact, the same impression. So like, if you can leave one impression without saying any words across a, a lot of people mm-hmm. who have never had that experience mm-hmm. before, yes,
1: yes it's, yes,
2: it's, it's good stuff, but that's the, 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 and, even weirder than that, like uh, the, the Western mind is different from the Japanese mind on the whole. Uh, they they have intuitive. They tend to have intuitive experiences of an empirical world, uh, which is unique, probably in, in all the world, where we tend to have like a scientific experience experiences of so a more abstract world. Okay. So. I was going through a Western mind, looking at Japanese mind. And then later when I got into like Zen, that's when I started understanding, oh, this is why I got none of this at all. And why these things came out. (laughs) So it was just like, but like, you know, cyberpunk, things like cyberpunk that are very uh, like Tokyo, you know, through my mind uh, sort of makes it into my music uh, now Um, and exposure to industrial music uh also it's just all this stuff yeah you you have to be really open i think you
1: have to be very open that i do agree like it's it's for traditional music and i'm using air quotes you know so you have your your rock your hip-hop your r&b your country uh classical we'll just go with those generics um if, if that's your main, okay, this is music, then you may be very close-minded to the the experimental type music or the, the sort of stuff that, that you that you play and others play. But listening to the way that you're describing it and the way that you look at it and the way that you view it, which I'm, I'm going to go with, there's obviously many other people that see it that same way. You know, if there's workshops yeah. taught to, you know, say, hey, open up your eyes and your ears for a minute and hear a whole different mm-hmm. setting. I think that's really what it comes down to. I I remember at first when I heard because I'd be hanging out, um, you know, playing a video game with with your wife, right? And I would hear in the background. And honestly, at first, I re- I remember I remember this very specifically. We're playing, and and I hadn't registered what I was hearing in the background. It just was, right? There was just a sound or sounds. And we're just going about doing what we're doing, you know, playing the video game, having fun, talking and everything else. And then it was really, it was really interesting because we'd been playing for, I don't know, it, it at least been about an hour, you know, half an hour to an hour. And then all of a sudden my brain cued in on that sound. So the sound of the video game drowned out, you know, like we weren't really talking for a moment. And I just, I heard... Sound. Like I don't know how it's so it just I heard sound and I stopped and and like my brain started like focusing on it at that point. It went from there is a sound to I'm intrigued by this sound. I need to know what what, what is this that my ears you know are picking up. And that's what I had I had asked, you know, I'd asked her I was like, hey, is that sand plane? Like is that what that is? And she's like, oh yeah, he's practicing. Like I love it was such a nonchalant, like, oh yeah, yeah, this is what he's doing, duh. You know, like sort of like, doesn't <laughs> you know, everybody do that at your house? You know, this sort of thing, right? Which, yeah. which I thought was freaking awesome. It was absolutely awesome. And I'll tell you what: for the rest of the time playing, and actually many other times, because I think you were preparing for a show, yeah. um that that like my ears couldn't not hear it anymore. And, and and it's a great thing. It was a wonderful thing. Like it got to be where when her and I would play, like if it wasn't going on, my ears would be like something's missing. You know, it became that sound that it's just like, hey, you know, the just just to 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 use what you know, the air conditioner's not on. You know, like right. how sometimes people have a fan, you can hear it through a microphone or you know through a phone. Hey, the fan's not on. But it, it was a it was a set of sounds that. It, it, this is what was interesting. I've played uh, I played punk music, like actual, you know, played the instruments for punk music, metal music, um, bluegrass, uh, 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 blues, like a whole bunch of different types of music. And when listening to what you were doing, the funny thing to me is that it would cycle through those different sounds that you made. Like it was jumping genres of music. It, and it was like none of them, but at the same time, it had a little bit of all of them, which was the most interesting thing to me. Like, it it got to be where instead of trying to focus on what you were playing, I started just, because I, I would start racking my brain going, what is this? How is this? You know, I, I don't know how, why. Then I stopped and was just like, just let it. If that makes sense, like I was just like, just let it happen and, you know, let the ears pick up what it picks up, let it, you know, hit those emotions or those memories and just, just go with it. And it was a unique experience. Like, like what you did, it wasn't like a, Hey, I've heard this country song before we, you know, it wasn't that it was a unique experience that actually brought up memories but in such a vague way that it was like just this gentle coating of of, uh, of memories that just flowed through the music, which I'd never really experienced before.
2: That happens a lot at noise shows. Um, yeah. So there was... Um... Noise shows – so your, your brain is encountering something that it hasn't before, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And sometimes it's a beat that's not a beat. Sometimes it's like, you know, like if there's a, a wheel on a bicycle that's out of true in a uh-huh. couple of places, it'll cycle, but it's not like a beat. It'll, it'll cycle. <laughs> yes. And sometimes – and some – you know, sometimes you'll go to noise festivals, and i will be the whole basis of that, like, cycle will be the whole basis of something. But uh, they – I think it's mostly a myth, but they were talking about there were there was a big riot I think at a Tchaikovsky a concert. The, the riot did happen, but it's I don't know historically, and I'm ta- I'm speaking from a memory of a memory of reading something now, but they, okay. they, there was um, they think that people I think it was the rights of spring. And people lost their mind and started a riot because they did. They, they say that people just didn't understand what they were saying and it, it messed with their brains or hearing. It messed with their brains enough so that they they did that. But also at the time it was Paris and and I think it's Tchaikovsky, but it, it it was a Russian, a Russian composer, and there was a big thing there. And uh, but there was uh, yeah, it, it can affect your. It can really sort of unlock things, um, especially the people who do long ambient sets. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that can really, um, I think that that can really fool your your brain into sort of almost falling asleep. Uh, they, there's this. It's uh, it's 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 the same thing that happens in ritual and what like John Lee Hooker even. It's it's a very shamanic thing. It it it's going to do this beat for the next twenty minutes or the yes. next ten minutes, and it's just going to be it's going to be more like chanting, and it's just going to. Uh, It's gonna do that thing. It's gonna do that thing for a while, and it might not always make sense in a structural sense. Like a good, good one would be John Lee Hooker's uh, "Jesse James." I'm bad, like Jesse James, and it just, it's just, it just keeps hammering forward, and it never really. It's basically like a, a beat with him talking, and then throwing in a blues lick between some of his lines. And it, it goes for a while. It really catches you up in his aggression because he really wants to hurt somebody. And it's like, <laughs> it's definitely got that. It catches you up in it. Um, but yeah, it's uh,
1: the,
2: anything that you're not, any kind of music that you're not used to will sometimes trigger, um, yeah, will trigger I, your brain to do, to, to, to do things.
1: I, I, I like that though. Like because I'm a huge music person. I love music. Um, and, and I and I always say, I might not love all musics, but I'll respect the musicians that go into them. Uh, you know, example, I'm not a big country fan, but I'm not the type of person to go, country sucks, I hate it, it's stupid, because those musicians, they hone their craft. They put the skill, they put the effort, I respect that. Right? So I, I respect the musicians that go into the music, whether or not I like the genre and that being said this was a genre that you know i can say that i never had gotten into i had never you know like the industrial um it's funny we were just listening to it uh, the other day like the 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 uh what's the the mainstream industrial like ministry and, and you know bands like that right yeah. so that's the, the very mainstream you know industrial um there were a few that i got into you know cause it's fun You know, it's it's good times, but it wasn't a big, you know, push to go to go into the industrial uh, genre for me. Mm -hmm. That being said, I I respect the crap out of the technique and everything it goes into making that. Um, and after learning what what goes into making, I don't even fully know. I just know some of what goes into making the music that you are making. That like I honestly, and I have no idea because I've never seen you do it. Well, no, no, I take it back. I have seen you do it, but I've never seen you do it when you were practicing. When we were playing video games, I couldn't see you, right? But what I pictured, because I actually pictured in my mind, was just a very intense. Like what you were playing was m- melodious, and and it sometimes there were some monotonous parts to it, and maybe that's a bad word, not not in a bad way, but like a repetitive. <laughs> A, yes. a repetitive part to it, but the the visual I got of you, which again, I couldn't see you so this was you know what my mind did from the music, was just a very intense calculated you were paying attention to every moment while you were doing it. I don't know if that's actually what you were doing or not, but that's the visual that I got from it.
2: For, for me as well, it's a way of practicing Zen, which is being in the present moment. So when you do the improvisation, it's, I'm actually sort of you know intuitively uh, trying to understand uh, the world inside myself. Okay. Uh, in my case, uh, just intuitively trying to understand the world inside myself and then linking that to the world outside myself so that there's no self. Uh, that probably... If you ask somebody person. who's in, like somebody who's licensed to teach Zen, that's probably all wrong. But it's what I do.
1: But 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 that's like, that's what I love about the music and what you do, is that instead of just oh this is fun, which there's nothing wrong with you know yeah. listen to music bop around me hey, this is fun, but taking it to a very 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 personal depth, that that to me is freaking beautiful, you know when when you yeah. when you do that like. Inner, inner, inner realization, outer, you know, like what's going on, what's happening, and you, you start making it very, very personal. Yeah. Yet, like, it, I, I don't, don't want to say eternal, but like, like it, it's for everything, but you're focusing on your everything at the moment. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense, but. Yeah, yeah, it, it,
2: it does. It's it, and that's sort of what it. Um, that's sort of what it's trying to do. And also um, uh, well, Faye has to uh, listen to me, listen to me, go through something 20 or 30 times a little different <laughs> each time but like because I am truly improvising but um, I'm also trying to like while I'm listening to it, I'm listening to my own head and what my head is uh, listening. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing seeing, listening, tasting just like all of my internal senses I'm, I'm paying attention to what that's doing and I what my hope is is that what I'm doing is experienced by somebody else similarly so like if I'm this is gonna just get real deep into the but if I'm if I'm doing a process and I'm like okay this uh this guitar part that I'm sticking through an oscillator and, you know, doing all this, you know, signal processing too. This reminds me of mail machines when I used to work at Chase. They used to stuff envelopes and set them out. This is what this reminds me. So, this, so I think this is probably going to have like a mechanical feel to some people. So people are going to think about robots or people are going to think about androids and uh, a lot of, and, and, a lot of the things that I did in the last year were just were inspired by machines and cities. And, uh, you know, just it was, a lot of what I did in the last year is really um, influenced by the cyberpunk genre. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of painting a cityscape in most of them. And in the visuals that I do for something I did for fuse factory, you can sort of see, you can actually see what I was thinking too. And I'm just like I want to just sort of explore this, but also explore this as a part of our future. You know, if I can okay. get me, if I can, if people listen to this and just think about our places with machines in the areas where we all dwell together, and maybe they think about that and inspires something at a basic level, um, then this will probably be successful. Like that or if somebody just like hangs out takes an edible and they're just like man that's fantastic i'm really right. cool with that too
1: like just you vibes know? out to, yeah. to the sounds and see okay so it, it, without going you know too into you know my my uh silliness when i was young but there was a, a certain thing that i would partake of that would give you a visual enlightenment Yeah, there we go that's about yeah. as coded as i'm gonna get um but I remember that I was at band practice once, uh, and I was I was very much inebriated, and I was in a uh, like a hardcore death metal band, so a lot of double bass, a lot of really chunky, um, you know, uh, low growly guitar, and we were taking a break mid mid set. We had it was this huge warehouse, and we we rented out a soundproof, well, not hundred percent soundproof, but you know, soundproofed uh... The yeah. studio that they'd built into this warehouse and outside there was a long long hallway it was a huge warehouse huge warehouse so super long hallway we were the last room at the end of this really long hallway and i was like hey i'm gonna step outside not outside but into the hallway for a minute um and, and just chill out you know because there were it was in between practicing sets so they were just you know playing around with the like the the guitarist and the drummer excuse me we're just playing around with with different Things for new songs, yeah. And so I go about eight feet, six feet from the door, and I'm sitting up against the wall, looking down this long hallway. And just speaking of feeling things and, and what it does, um, and the the guitarist, he's you know playing around, and and he he goes to some deep chords, and the hallway starts dropping down. You know, like I'm going to go down a slide. So the visual, you know, because, again, I'm not sober, um, the, the visual starts to go down, but then he goes into this solo, right? Because, you know, death metal, it's got to have a good high-pitched, squealing solo. <laughs> He's going into the solo, and as he does, now the whole hallway has gone up, and I'm at the bottom looking up this giant slide, you know, and I'm just like, this is cool. <laughs> but then he goes from the solo into a new riff that is all top chord, super chunky distortion, and it quickly goes back down to the point that I'm grabbing onto the side of the wall because I feel like I'm about to slide about a hundred yards down this giant thing. Yeah. And I literally went crawling, like grabbed the doorknob, open the door and go crawling into the into the uh, <laughs> the practice room. And they're looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? Because uh, you yeah. know wild man literally crawling in there like I, to me, I was scrambling for my life, so I didn't slide down The whole point of this is that we don't always think about it, but music and sounds, not as much the 2-4 beat, not as much the rhythm of, but the sounds of the music that we listen to, they, they do things inside your mind, whether you pay attention to it or not. Um, you know, I was in an inebriated state, so that part of my mind grabbed onto things that I may not have paid attention to before. They might not have paid attention to when there's a high pitched sound it feels like everything's moving up when there's a low pitched sound everything's moving down like that was something that was a unique experience that i'll never forget this was 25 years ago you know that this happened and i can still picture it because those sounds created that that visual um that and that's something that when I think about your music, when I think about what you do and the genre of what you do, not just yours, but others that I've I've heard because I have heard some stuff from the Fuse Factory that I think for me, that's what I would that's what I would relate it to is the sounds the, the sounds that you're doing really evoke things inside your mind that if you if you don't wanna like tap into it, you'll go, Ah, what is this sound? What is this? Turn it off, I don't want to hear it. Right? Because you're not You're you're looking at it on the surface, there was no rhythm to it, there was no beat, there was no singing, there was no tambourine, we need more cowbell, you know, like none of that was, you know, relevant there, but if you stop and and just, it will either edible or just sit back and go, all right, I'm going to let everything go for a second. I'm going to let the, the stresses of work go. I'm going to let the stresses of family go. I'm going to let the stresses of my weight go. I'm going to let the stresses of failures. I'm going to let the stresses of success. I'm going to let everything go for a minute and see what happens. of am just laying here and vibing out. It, it's it's kind of more opening like mentally opening to me than any other music that I've, I've been a part of besides like a very beautiful, I don't even want to say beautiful, uh, a very long, drawn-out, like, classical symphony. Like, when I listen to, like, a lot of in-depth piano with a lot of symphony, it does the same sort of thing, because there's a lot of different sounds that go into it when you have ten different horn instruments and stringed instruments and percussions all together. And so that's, that's sort of what, for me, I'm over here, like personal experience. That's that's what the stuff that you do to me really does, and and that's why I'm I'm actually never was before, but like pain, like you being a person that I'm like okay, I look at this person with with reverence and with respect. If they're into this, I'm going to give it a chance, right? If this is something that they enjoy doing, I'm going to give it a chance. Never had before meeting you, but now I'm like. Yeah, I'm down. Like it might not be something I throw it on, on in the car every day, but it comes, you know, if, if you're playing, I'm I'm gonna hit into that spot. I'm gonna go into that like <laughs> you know, okay. What what in the universe is happening right now, like in my universe, you know, like what what is going on in my universe? I'm just gonna sit and chill and relax. Like it's it's takes you to a place that I didn't think that it would, I guess is all of what I said boils down to that sentence that takes me to a place I didn't think that it would. it's pretty cool. Guess, Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really cool.
2: Well, also keep in mind that like some of the earliest experimental music was just when people found uh, when magnetic tape was invented. Uh, the experimental music uh, genre goes back to like, it goes back quite a ways, maybe even before 1900. And uh, it's uh, uh it's sort of like philosophy it's the it's the discipline by which that other things pop out of so like with philosophy you have like physics chemistry and stuff with Uh uh, noise you everything began as like the distorted guitar was an experiment uh like uh building pedals that would do chorus and delay those were all experiments you know delay used to be like a tape machine that had an endless loop uh well uh, it would loop one, you would set it to go so fast and it would loop once and make that sound and then it would erase on its next pass, I think, or on the same pass after it was play. after it hit the play head, it would hit the record head. And they were, that's why, like, when you look at delay pedals, now you have a tape setting. It used to just be a tape. But, um, yeah, it's, um, it's sort of, it's sort of meant for that. And I think that, like, a lot of the sounds that are being made uh, by today, not a, not all of them, but like some of the sounds that are being made by today's artists, you're going to hear um, as soon as those make it onto to band camp and get listened to by people who record other people, uh-huh. you'll start you'll start finding some of those noises in less traditional genres of music or, you know, I don't want to stay still vital, but like you might not you might never hear an experimental noise or sample in a country song, but you could very Got well you. hear that you could very well hear that in hip hop because the one thing about hip hop is that it keeps going forward and it's about new noises sometimes. Uh,
1: you know, it's it's funny you say that because the the genre of, of hip hop right now, the 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 mode and, and people often call them mumble rappers. If you take that out, right? So with hip hop and, and just speaking of which you, you have the the people like me that love lyricists, right? I love lyricists, the KRS ones, the Buster mm-hmm. Rhymes, the you know, MMs, like the people that tell a story, right? And there's a lot more, but I just throw those ones out real quick. The the mumble rap, you know, genre people are like they don't say anything, they don't do anything, blah, 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 blah. But if you look at it in a different light, such as what we're talking about right now. I don't know if, if you have, but I started taking the voice out, the, the words out, the what they're saying out, and looking at the music. There's actually a bunch of tracks that I have that are just the instrumental tracks. And the cadence of the words and everything completely changes it, but a lot of the music in hip-hop right now is very, I can see very much has come from experimental like with what you're doing it's very uh ghosty it's very airy uh which isn't like if you listen to hip-hop in 2005 you didn't hear this as much well okay you can also
2: tell that older people are still in the industry because every once in a while that resurrects sound and -hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of not just hip-hop but generally beat stuff in general like lo-fi and I've yeah. been hearing uh the return of a chorused guitar and it, like clean, chorused, warm guitar, just like yeah. if you would have plugged a chorus pedal into an old crate and they're <laughs> yeah. They're they're putting that into like a lot of music now, so that's another one of those cases where they're like, man, I remember when I was sitting around with Joey and he had this amp he bought for 120 bucks off of his buddy because his buddy's car ran into a deer and needed yes. money, <laughs> and so and he used to and he would just sit there and play the G chord over and over because that's all he knew, and you know yes. what? That's going into somebody's music, and then but it's uh, music much like language. Uh, in general like the most influential people people set the vocabulary mm-hmm. so it's like you know uh, go, I don't know who said going forward the first time but whoever did that it eventually spread to all business right and with music you'll get a couple of really you know uh, and maybe their names aren't real well known outside the industry but you get a couple of really like influence uh, like true influencers not like the kind you see on social media right, right, right. but they'll 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 like put a sound like that in it and before you know it like it used to be within a year you'd be like oh this is all over the place now now it's like within like a week and it's like oh, wow yeah. everything has this now
1: and that that is like <laughs> you say an influencer yeah, you'll you'll have somebody, especially in the music industry, but because technology and the way that we can share and spread everything as quickly as possible, um, yeah, you will definitely have. Well, I mean, again, hip hop and the sound that it is. There's uh, there's a couple of uh, beat makers that I, I um, check out and I listen to and I go check up on on uh, SoundCloud, and it'll be a. So and so beat so and so beat, so and so beat. and I know that they put those names on there for the the name popularity. But the reality is is they're just they're almost every one of them has the same backing um, of right now the thing is super melodic, like drawn out. It, it, you know what back in the day, it was listening to um to uh oh my brain, come on, listen to Bob Marley and smoke some weed. You know, you got that vibe of just like, all right, everybody we're gonna pass around the blunt and listen to Marley for like, you know, <laughs> three hours, right? Like, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, you had that. And now now it's become the all right, let's eat an edible and put on some lo-fi. Let's uh you know, like you know, that sort of thing where you, you have that you, you dude you have lo fi mixes of eight hours on, on YouTube. Oh yeah, Star Wars
2: lofi or uh, lofi even. Like they have one on there that's <laughs> yes. it's basically the whole thing is Ahsoka sitting there like bobbing her her ankle up and down, and it's it's Star Wars lofi. Every once in a while, you're like, oh yeah, that that's the cantina scene again,
1: right? <laughs>
2: it is though. Like, it <laughs> totally is. Oh, where is it? Oh, Megan the the stallion. Okay. I was I was checking through my my list real quick of stuff I listened to this last week, Megan Thee Stallion. Uh, the stuff she the elements she puts into her music are pr- are pretty. I I can hear the occasional. There are a few eighty synth things happening now. Um, okay. Uh, I think the the writers of the music for Stranger Things might have had something to do with it. Uh, that there's this synthesizer back in the day called a Juno, a Roland Juno. And it has, it has a very sort of bouncy sort of sound. And, um, and there were also just all the Roland sounds were just really big. So uh, she's one, uh, Ashniko, she also puts every once in a while you'll hear an element in her music, but even um, there's a, uh, there's a, a doom metal band is, I think that's what, they call the genre now the genre that i played in 1999 that they renamed in the mid 2000s somewhere that includes like sleep you know that okay, that okay. that kind of that sad i i always thought of it as riff rock or very influenced by queens of the stone age stuff and um, electric wizard they have some parts of the be in their songs that are just like noise like flat out noise um there there are also a few there there's quite a few things. Uh, believe it or not, like if you want to see what's going on, uh, like some of the next levels of music, look at video games. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so true, though.
1: That's like, crazy true.
2: Yeah. like Some of the best composers are composing for video games now. Uh, mm-hmm. Justin Justin Bell for The Outer Worlds. Uh, Nobuo Matsu is very famous. He's the guy who's, do, who's done a lot of the soundtracking for Final Fantasy games. Um, yeah. Oh, I can't. Pro- I can't pronounce the name of the guys who did the cyberpunk, uh, the cyberpunk soundtrack. But they've not only did they do some really just sharp, well-produced music, but they also did uh, whenever you get into a car, jack a car, or whatever you do in uh-huh. the game you have the option to, to switch the radio around they picked okay. a whole bunch of really good music for for the radio and you can switch it between latin hip-hop which has got gotten me down a whole other rabbit hole
1: Dude, um, yeah actually latin hip-hop is awesome
2: <laughs> it's, it, it's awesome. amazing they they uh I, for so many reasons for so many reasons but uh some some stuff that's really sort of like weird and it sort of sounds like uh junkyard music I don't it's what comes to my head it's just like okay. there was one that had like a really clown beat but then had this guy that was just making it with his lyrics and his his music but that, that particular soundtrack got me down so many rabbit holes but believe it or not also um, just shows on Hulu um, Letter Kenny and Shorzy uh, both those came from Canada but both of them just have just killer soundtracks nice uh, and mostly canadian artists but uh you 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 begin to hear the the uh the stuff in there but the one thing that you'll hear almost everywhere now right now is that that hi-hat that sizzle hi-hat <sutters> yeah you know, where, where it spits like that and i have yep. like i love that sound but i've had to make myself not do it anymore
1: that makes sense though that makes sense. like and it's not as much and, and i don't know if it is for you but for me it's not as much the Oh well, that's popular. I have to do something different. But it's also okay if I'm going to do experiments, and you know, I'm going to I'm going to try and progress. Then doing the same things isn't progression. It's it's I so don't like, say copy, but like because everything's copying at a certain point. But it's yeah. it's uh, doing what everybody else is doing, and then it kind of takes away from the experimental process. Yeah. Well, they they say if you meet the
2: Buddha in the road, kill the Buddha. That little. That's, that's, uh, that's the Buddha. That's Got like, you. to me, that's like a very precise, very clean uh, expression. And it comes from trap. Uh, I think that's where the first place that showed up was in trap. Yeah.
1: yeah. But, uh, I, that's yeah. why I know exactly what sound you're talking about. Cause I, I love, I love, well, I love the, the, the older trap music uh, compared to the, the newer, not the newer is horrible. I just have heard so much that I'm like, okay, I'm going to, you know, move around with the different styles but I I do love trap music and I know that sound. Um when that came out I was actually making beats on Fruity Loops um for for some people that did uh hip hop just basic beats mostly for practice and in like ciphers and freestyle sort of stuff. Um not as much like album you know worthy stuff but stuff that and that beat right that hi hat that was like that was the it just started hitting and I was like, I want that. I want that. I need that. And it was in probably half the freaking songs that I made yeah. was that hi hat because I loved that sound. I have a story in my head.
2: It's probably not true at all. But I have a story in my head where, you know, I think Trap originated in Georgia? South Carolina?
1: Yeah, no um, idea. But, okay.
2: But I, I – I, Trap houses were just like places where you went to buy drugs, you know, indulge vice, you know. But uh, somebody just being really high and like doing a quick thing on the on the on the turntable, yeah. Just like, oh man, do it again, and you know, just doing that. Then, meanwhile, the rest of us who are sitting at home with our laptops are like, oh man, I need to turn Fruity Loops up to five hundred beats a minute. (laughs) I need to yeah <laughs>
1: yes, <dude. laughs> that's exactly what it was though <laughs> yeah
2: and then and then i need to make just this one sample where it goes yeah and then record that as a sample and then put that as a sample in something that's 120 beats per minute exactly. or whatever whatever yeah. that division is um it, so uh, that math always takes me a minute in a calculator but yeah uh, it
1: Dude, that's that's but that that's that's going to the experimental the stuff that that you do it's someone was experiment whether they were high whether they were bored whether it was an accident it didn't matter they were like oh what's this oh what oh what's oh what's this you know and then it yeah. became a thing where people were like yo what's this you know like <laughs> it, it picked up and it moved and, and it grew accordingly like you you mentioning the video game um sounds I am blown away at the quality of music that is in video games nowadays. When when I was yeah. when I was young whippersnapper, we had some dude over there on a the computer with four different chords that we 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 yay we yeah. we like, we we holy crap 300 person orchestra shit. like it is really really badass music
2: now well you you grew up around the same time i was so you know what uh, a like a video game a non um what do you call non-ironic video game yeah. art it like. <laughs> yeah. so um the you know i and when i look back on stuff like this i realize how much um the way i felt uh, determine which sounds I loved, but you'll still hear me looking for that deep voice that came out of a video game cabinet. I don't know if you ever played Tron.
1: Yeah, oh gosh, it's been a long time, but yes. So
2: they would crank that sucker up, and it was actually a very—it was actually a very important composer that did the uh, music for Tron, and it's not in like a diatonic scale. It's in uh, just—it's flat out using I think for the most part it's using all the chromatic scale that's why it sounds as cool as it does okay. but uh, when, uh, Wendy no I, I have to get this right because I think at one time was Carlos Williams I get them mixed up I, I, I have it back there she's the same person who did Switched on Bach she's a very important composer she was one of the first people to uh, do um, symphonic music using synthesizers and okay. um, and she did it really well, uh, but she uh, she composed the music for that, so it's beautiful and orchestrated in the mo- uh, movies. And then when you get it into the arcade and those deep backed uh, video game arcade machines that would just project like this like this bass that would just shake your nuts. I mean, it was like standing in front of one of those things could be ticklish. I kid you not. <laughs> and you would you would be sitting there, but uh, listening to that, so you get that. That cutting edge uh, orchestral music stuck through, like one you know the synthesizer that they had to use for the games, and it was its own thing. You know, it was just it was it was it was really wild. Like there are still some people who like use the uh, I don't know what they're called. It's basically if you were gonna program to Atari, you had to send music information to the synthesizer that was used for Atari. But people have pulled that synthesizer out and now use it in songs and stuff. So um you'll hear every once in a while you'll hear like a sound like uh a coin in Mario or something like that in somebody's song. I think yes. Pau Fu does that. I, See, I, I, I was I was gonna say. Like
1: when I was talking about like the 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 old the old school, even though it was cheesy, you all know, <laughs> like now there's like by the time that happens, there's been like 14 instruments that have come together. But then you know, it's just I can, oh. I'm picturing somebody <laughs> <laughs> like like yeah. me single. Finger pointing, going, dee, 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 dee. yay! And I'm not discrediting the composers that made the music. Then I'm not doing that in an insulting way. I'm just going by the difference of 40 years ago <laughs> to, to today in the music you hear in the in the video games.
2: Oh, today, yeah, today it's. I think that in many cases the soundtracks of video games are even better produced, better composed than like movies, like yeah, movies. Yeah. Movies were the reason I think that classical music didn't just sort of become, uh, you know, didn't fade into the background as much as it could have. I'm I really glad that. for that. Yeah. But movies, you know, like now our composer like John Williams, um, uh, the guy who does Danny Elfman, um, uh, people like that. But now you're you're looking at um, composers and daring composers as well, because um, some of those guys will throw of Justin Bell for The Outer Worlds. Not only did he do the actual main themes, for a couple of them, he did an elevator music vi- vi- uh, version of the main themes so that you could listen to him going up and down the elevator in the video game.
1: Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. Nice. <laughs> it's, it's, and funny enough, you even have people throwing in like Pharrell Williams. That that You know, you listen to his stuff 20 years ago and it's not what it is today. But somebody that's that's gone experimental and now does movie soundtracks, and not right. just oh, Pharrell Williams he's a hip hop kid. Yeah, he's got hip hop stuff. But dude has connected with some great composers, brought in beautiful musicians to make stuff that you wouldn't hear on a a, a nerd album. You know, like one hundred percent different. But you're but you're, I I agree like. I think the movie industry has done wonders for keeping classical music alive I and mean, not saying that it would completely die you know because there's always always a place for it but it has always been more of the and i'm using air quotes elite you know you gotta go see it at at a, 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 a like a shelled, you know outdoor little area or inside of a a very expensive posh seating you know, yeah. area that not a lot of people are going to get to experience if you didn't pay your four hundred dollars to ticket to see it. Um, yeah. I think that that pulling it into the music, where people, and I think this is just what I think. I think most people don't even pay attention when they're watching a movie to the fact that their emotions are being semi-controlled, not by what they're looking at, but by what they're listening to as the scenes going on. And oh yeah, it's just
2: awesome that's in in uh my psych 101 class um the the professor was from new york and uh so that we were actually talking about that he was talking about so he we were saying yeah there's music that can actually bring you to a certain point emotionally he was like like jores and we were all like Jaws, and we were all looking at each other and he tried to continue on but like after a while everybody going Jaws. what the hell is jores and we're all like, what? Uh, you know, and before long, the he had to stop because it got a little noisy in there. And he was like, what? And we were all like, what's yours?" And he's like, "Jors, George, George, you know, the shock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> 30 people all at once were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <dude, dude>, <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing. That simple Dun, 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 oh, yeah. dun, dun. You know, as soon as that happens, you you look around if you're near water. If you hear that, you can be at the pool, mm-hmm. taking a nap, right on the side of the pool. Somebody walks by with the Jaws music. You're awake, looking at the water. It's a pool, but you're still looking at the water.
2: That's when it becomes the, <laughs> That's when it becomes the no prif. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to just go into the hotel yeah. room and watch
1: reruns. So, real quick, total side funny story coming from that. Uh, when I was uh, since 12, 13, um, I I lived by the ocean. My dad was a surfer hippie, so we were in the water. We were in the ocean all the time, right? Um, you know, I'd seen dolphins. I'd seen sand sharks. I'd seen a lot of stuff in the ocean. Actually, porpoises, but still. Yeah. Um, the apartments that we were living in were getting fumigated you know where they put that whole tent thing over it so the landlords in california they were like hey we're gonna put you in a hotel for so many days you know while we're while we're doing the thing and so we're in the hotel and uh you know with my dad and, and stepmom and and my dad was like hey because we we didn't we didn't really watch tv much i didn't grow up with tv we definitely didn't have cable um but we we had a vcr and a, a television that had like the the component cables could plug into so my dad can watch his um his is recorded from somebody else a friend's tv uh, aliens and arachnophobia right that's that's what we'd watch if we watched movies um <laughs> so <laughs> yeah we're, we're at this hotel and there's cable so my dad's like you know kind of in hog heaven, just like hey I'm lounging you know my dad's a hard working man so him taking a day off is like the world has stopped you know like He's the dude that no matter how sick he was, he worked for the city, and retired for them. He went to work every damn day. Like he, he did his thing. That was his mentality. You work, you, you work 50 hours a week. You make $2 a day. It doesn't freaking matter. You do what you have to do. So he, he, him taking the day off and watching cable, I thought was beautiful. But then, you know, the cable, he was like, hey, Jaws is on. Let's watch Jaws. So I'm like, all right, cool, Dad. Let's, let's watch Jaws. So we did. We watched Jaws. It was great. It was fantastic. It was, you know, Jaws. And then, you know, it's the middle of the day, and there's a pool at at this hotel. And my dad was just like, hey, uh, I think I'm going to take a nap. Why don't you you go swimming? And I'm like, ah, cool, there's a pool, you know, I get to go swimming. It was great. I I shit you not, I, uh, so... My stepmom went out there to watch, you know, to make sure I didn't die because I was out there by myself. She's sitting in there, sunbathing, reading a book or something. I go jump in the deep end, and it's no big deal. I, I can swim well. It's just the way that the pool was situated, there was a shadow from, I don't know if it's a tree or something, over the deep end, right? And I jumped in, and I'm hearing in my head. And that shadow was Jaws. I saw him. I fucking saw him. There was a giant (laughs) shark in that swimming pool. And I freaked out. Oh, Siri, no, Siri, (laughs) Siri, Siri, I didn't say sorry. Siri scared the crap out of me. So so I I remember jumping in the water, I saw Jaws, swam to the shallow end, and I shit you not. I sat for about a half an hour, 45 minutes with my back up against the wall in the shallow end, staring at the deep end. Just just <laughs> like I was enjoying myself, but wondering when I was gonna die. Right. And and it My stepmom was like, are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Don't, don't worry.
2: <laughs> just looking for the shock.
1: <laughs> but but Jaws did like that sound did it like i'd seen shark movies before i'd seen i'd seen real life sharks right but that sound mixed with that made a whole different world like that was something you didn't do oh, yeah. when we were out surfing certain sounds you didn't make you didn't go out surfing with a bunch of friends and go did it did it like you were ostracized you were kicked out like we're like no 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 no, no. <laughs> Like we're not sitting out in the ocean, ready to catch waves. And you're making that sound. Get the fuck out of here! Like, no get welcome. <laughs> <laughs> any Have you ever strap on a fin? No. Oh gosh. <laughs> like people would, we had friends when we were swimming that would joke with like their hand up, and no. that was okay. That was safe because it was a hand, and it was funny, you know. And you yeah. grab you know grab your leg. Ah oh, ah oh, ah, oh, got you. <laughs> that was that was funny. That was fine. Um, every once in a while, when we'd be out surfing, you know, where it's 15 feet deep or so, you know, someone would quietly slip off their board and swim underwater and grab your leg. And, uh, and you're like, ah, you know, but you knew it was a hand. You know, you weren't getting your leg, but nobody made the sound. That was, that was the big thing. You <laughs> could scare each other. You could not make the jaw sound. It was just against the rules. You know, I, I
2: dated somebody with long nails who, well, she was my generation. This is a long time ago, but she, uh, she, uh, piranha do you remember piranha oh gosh yes. she used to get underneath the water and start going you know, oh, doing <laughs> <the>
1: thing. <laughs> that could be why i don't really like lakes and rivers because i watched that stupid movie and never even thought about it yeah yeah no, no, i like, don't do it i will swim all day in the ocean I have physically slapped sharks that, like, you know, bumped up against my surfboard because in Hawaii there's there's tons of sharks. They just they're not big, mean predators. I mean, well, okay, yeah. they're big, mean predators, but they're most of them are not looking to eat you. Okay, there we go. Yeah. I'll just say it that way. Um, yeah. Most of them are not looking to eat you. So, you know, you get bumped by like a, a little six-foot, you know, white-tipped shark or, you know, you just slap them, and they go, ah, I don't like you, and they don't come back. No yeah. big deal. Right? That's what I'm used to. I go into a, a, a river, I'm okay. knee-deep looking around for death. I'm like, okay, 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 who's yeah. killing me? What's killing me? How am I going to die? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, catfish are a thing in river. You got to, like, it's good to know where the catfish are, that's for sure.
1: Dude, there's no
2: piranhas.
1: I'm pretty sure there's a Loch Ness monster in our lake, but but that's to be seen. Um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Somebody's got a, an elephant under there with a trunk.
1: Cousin you know, I just
0: had a thought.
1: In every lake.
0: I had a thought and a question for you guys. Okay. What do you think predators would call human meat? Because you have, like, beef is cow, venison is deer, oh. pork is pig. What do you think human meat would be called, or would it be like chicken, where it's just called chicken?
1: I think it would be called. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like I think it would be called yuck. Yeah,
2: it's just.
1: We're technically bottom feeders. Yeah, we we eat. We eat eat everything. You know, so (laughs) it would be maybe it would be a delicacy like lobster and and crab. Well, the, the human name for
2: it is long pork. Seriously? Yeah, the human name for know. humans is long pork because supposedly we taste like, I I had to, you know. you know, you got the internet. Google, for somebody <laughs> who was raised without Google, is like, oh, my God, I can know everything now. And then, like, a couple months later, after you first discover it, you're like, oh, God, I can know everything now. <laughs>
0: right? Yeah, you should see, watch, search moment? history
1: who is disturbed. Yeah, no, my, my FBI guy is going to have a field day dissecting my search history because in in, in my defense, um, as a, a streamer who talks to many people every day, if somebody throws in a random thing I've never heard of, I just instantly Google it and don't care. So I have looked at many things uh, somewhat have regretted. Some of yeah. them I'm fine with. Um, I think that one, though, I, I think I drew a line uh, the other day on which ones I would I would look up. I forget what it was, but it was a pretty good line. I was like, okay, here's the line I draw, I'm not googling that. Um oh, it was it was animal genitalia. That's what uh, it was. Yeah, that, that was cuz we're talking about springtime at the zoo, you know, and the things that you see in here. I was like, I'm not looking that up, you know, to tell you how long certain appendages are. There's a line that I don't google. I don't know if uh Googling what does human flesh taste like would show about
2: Google. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there are some things like I'll go through an onion router. Do you know what that is? No. It's like, there's you can you can buy these or not buy. They're free, especially if you use Linux like I do. You can like go through something called a uh, an onion router where it's. Um, the, the the stuff going into it gets encrypted like you you'll, you'll never know unless you're like high level government or something because I'm sure that there are ways to know anyway but right. you, you can go through those and search search things and I think I think what this human flesh tastes like might have been uh, when I uh, went on the dark web
1: right there you go well that's where you're gonna find it though
2: yeah yeah you just and I and I'm pretty sure and the funny thing was I think that that became a I think they actually even covered it, like, years later in Letterkenny. <laughs> because they had some dude addicted to
1: the dark web. And speaking of eating people and things, I don't know, if, and a random segue, um, I don't know if you watch Bob's Burger. Yeah, yeah. The so original that, was supposed to be. Yeah, the funeral there. thing next door. yeah. yeah. And the business to the other next door was always going out of business because those were the people that they were killing and eating <laughs> or, or eating oh, everybody for their burgers. I didn't even put those, that together. Yep, that's, that's why awesome. the business next door was always different because they would take those people, bring them over to the funeral home after they'd been killed, then they could chop them up and then sell them as burgers at Bob's Burger. That's what it was originally put out as. And now knowing that, now, like, the first episode was about human meat, right? The, that was the, oh, you're serving human meat. They had to tie it in there. But now knowing that, they still throw in little Easter eggs, like, season after season. And it's pretty
2: messed up. I got go back and look for some of those. The biggest <laughs> thing I got, the biggest thing I got out of Bob's Burgers was, um, oh, what's his name? Gene's snake song, I'm not afraid of ghosts, I'm not afraid of uh, well, evidently I didn't get that really well because that's all I can remember. I'm just afraid of snakes. They have no arms and legs. It's not okay.
1: I love his music though, because it literally is that. It's not this well thought out, you know. I mean, it's a. They have no arms and legs. That's not okay. Like, I can hear it in his voice. That is beautiful.
2: Well, the funny thing is, at the end, they made it like sort of like an opera. Like a Puccini opera thing, because he's just standing there doing this. I'm not afraid of him. They've got this <laughs> orchestral background. And it's just like... You guys yeah. had too much fun at work, and I wish I was there with
1: you. Right? Right. <laughs> I want to take away the too much part. You guys have the right kind of fun at work. Oh my
2: gosh. Oh my gosh
1: that show okay. that show is one that that I got to take it in spurts because it's that's definitely not a kid show. Um I mean kids can watch it but that's definitely a grown up adult show. Yeah. Gene to me makes that show. For me, Gene and Louise they they make it because they are such children that are saying such grown up shit. <laughs> I still use. Uh,
2: there was a, an episode where he was like, uh, somebody was like, "Gene, put on some pants." He's like, "I don't want to."
1: I still do that. Yes, I still do that, <laughs> yes, still yes. do that. dude. Is that that's like the parents are the to me the most childlike uh, of of the show. It's the kids that are that just go deep and dark into stuff. I mean, it's <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: yeah. Exactly. Horses and butts. Like horses and butts. <laughs> I kind of I kind of need to watch that later. <laughs> it's on it's on my Hulu because I've watched so much and then I you know let it go for a little bit and then I'll watch so much. But yeah. it keeps recommending like, hey, you're at this episode, hey you're at this episode. I'm like, I hey, know, calm down, calm down. I think it's to, time to finally start hitting that button and watching more of them. That's where I'm at. Go ahead. Yeah, that, that show. Well, okay. The other thing is the, the Tina twerking. Like that is <laughs> the way they did that is like a godsend for <laughs> your eyeballs. And then if you notice, so in the, in the intro, um, the, the van says something different. The business to the, the right side, I think always says something different. But if you watch Gene. As soon as, like, the music part starts, he starts doing this little bobbing dance. <laughs> I haven't noticed that. Oh, dude, watch it. Like, it starts now. off, they're all just standing there in front of the, you know, the business and the reopening. And then all of a sudden, he just starts, like, bobbing. Just do do do. And, and what's funny is that I'll do that dance now. Because because I've seen it so many times, music will come on, and I'm just like dude. I like what am I, what am I doing right now like what is really going on Oh man I'm gonna start doing that in clubs now Dude that's the that well, the team at
2: work you know Not that not that I'm playing out so the 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 other the other strange thing is uh so in this day of like content creation and stuff that sort of replace the word artists, writers, stuff like that. I'm like, okay, and there's there's monetization, that's cool too. But like mm-hmm. uh th- like my I think that I confuse the group of people so the group of people that I usually play out with, like any one of them could just lay down like a movie soundtrack tomorrow. They just okay. like that's a dog dog boy is a very deceptive name. What he should he called is I can write a movie soundtrack right now <laughs> but the mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but the other uh the other guy the guy who's organizing him um, he goes by different names depending on whether he performs alone or with other the first time I saw him was yul Brenner's ghost and it was it was him with his guitar and uh, i think Yule Brenner's ghost is when he has a cello player with him and they both run their stuff mm-hmm. through effects, but he can just take a guitar and make a soundtrack sitting there, just the way he runs uh, effects and stuff. But these guys, I, I think I might confuse these guys a little bit because they're always like they always want to build. They're just like, we did this. We're gonna like go on and we're gonna play Cafe Bourbon Street, um, and they're you know they're attracting more and more people because they're really goddamn talented. Uh-huh. But um, oh, but uh, so. um, I think I confuse them because, like, first, firstly, I I really have a preferred place uh, that I like to play, and it's okay. dirty. It's dirty dungries. It's like a it's a laundry mat that has a bar in it. And nice. one of the reasons I like it is that number one, it's a short walk to the door, so I don't like I'm not exhausted from hauling my equipment by the time I have to play. Makes sense. And, uh, but the other, the other thing is I just like the smallness and the intimacy. And there's something about the acoustics in there that always work with my equipment. But, um, nice. so I think I, I think I confuse them though, because I go in and I have the experience and like, I'll even start my set when there's nobody in the room. It's just like, this is the time I get really like, this is the time. This is when I'm going to start. Uh, maybe people show up, maybe they don't, but I need to like put this out in the world. So I do it. And then like, you know, maybe next time they call me, they'll be like a uh, cafe bourbon street. And I'll be like, yeah, nah, but, uh, it's, I feel like the, I feel like a lot of times I need to just go and do it and get it out of my system. And it's not so much about building onto something. Cause every time I think about building onto it, like I find excuses not to, but, um, I am going to try to do a uh, Twitch series where I go back over the uh, same equipment that I've used before and do something close to the performance because I'm, I improvise. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to do uh, I'm going to try to do that several times on Twitch and then take the um, music off of OBS and then put that on Bandcamp because for some reason I have more luck getting sound out of OBS than I do out of like Reaper. It's like once I once I do it and do it live, great sound. If I try to like sit there and engineer it, it's just like
1: it just doesn't work. Got you, got you. that's that's something like you you're talking about doing it on Twitch because like you you stream, but not. Like, yeah uh, yeah. I mean, you have for a little bit, but but what I like about your stream, and this is this is kind of a segue into the other thing that I wanted to talk about is is you know with you if you, if you don't mind is oh, absolutely like your, your music but you also do very creative writing streams um and your streams are like something i've never seen on twitch that's that's i think what i like about them so much um it's your your writing is even i i can see how the two of those go together and and, and let me explain the experimental music that you do and and i'm going strictly by selfish this is what i feel right Mm -hmm. so i'm not telling you what you do i'm not telling you your process i'm telling you like on a selfish this is how i feel with with both of your the arts that i know that you do Mm um one of them being your music like i said before when your music when you're creating when i hear you in the background when when we're doing things or you know whatever it is when when you're i've gotten um, clips of you when you're actually performing it's very much like puts you into this state of just being it just is right and, and I, I love it it's beautiful i can't tell you how many times that you've streamed and and i don't say anything but you know i'm working or i'm doing whatever but i have you in the headphones and i'm listening to the process of the way that you write and for me not being a professional writer, I go, okay, I got Bill, and I got Jim, and I got Tammy, and this is a story of Bill, Jim, and Tammy, and I go with it. Where you, on the other hand, go, okay, Bill. Bill likes plumbing. What kind of plumbing? And if you use plumbing, would he use a copper pipe, or would he use steel? What Now, if Bill felt like the way you go into just describing who Bill is, is, is my entire book, okay? Like, but yours is like a, you put down, and, and this is what tripped me out. Like, I would just sit and stare at the screen because you would just bullet point, okay, this, 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 and this. All right, this is the feeling we're going to give them. And I would watch you take all these things that people threw out in your chat of what they think Bill is like, and then actually put it into something without always specifically saying those things but damn it are they implied and you know who bill is without going bill's five foot ten he's a lumberjack he has an axe you know what i mean like you would take those specifics sort of out but everybody knew at the end how fucking tall bill was and that he was a lumberjack and you know and it was super yeah. impressive to me the way that you would create that in depth of a story but it almost like i don't want to say it seemed like surface writing because if you glanced at it it looked like surface but if you read it like i said you knew bill was 510 you knew he was a lumberjack you knew what kind of axe he liked you knew his favorite tree to cut down like i don't know how the hell you did that but it's super impressive it and, and so the question you know just to start off is like how long have you been writing
2: uh, let's see, and this is gonna really, uh, sound bad, uh, here in a minute, uh, in a few minutes, but, uh, I've been writing since I was 16, uh, okay. turn 50 next month, so 34 years. Okay. Uh, and I've not kind of published a single thing.
1: <laughs> Damn it. Poetry. I've I've published poetry. You have published poetry, okay. Yeah.
2: Um, so, <laughs> all right, now you're going to get into the really interesting part of. <laughs> so I, I'm real life obsessive compulsive, not the, oh, I'm having an obsessive compulsive moment. I'm obsessive compulsive. Like I, I have to check the, the door lock three times before I leave the house. Um, okay. if I, if I write something. So unfortunately, I had extremely good teachers uh, when I first learned how to write.
1: Hold on, hold on. I heard unfortunately I had an extremely good. Yeah. So here's (laughs) here's,
2: yeah,
1: here's how that works out.
2: So normal person, you have great, you have great teachers. You know, you just do what the teachers tell you and maybe maybe you fall short right like it'd be like doing art like i let's say i was doing flowers and i wanted to do human figures well okay i am going to expect my human figures to be like my flowers at first until i realize that there's going to be this big learning curve before i ever get the human figure because they're two different things so the thing is that if you were taught by uh If you were taught, like, I I don't know, what I call my teachers, Van Gogh and Monet. But if you were taught by really big-time artists, then forever after, everything you looked at would be compared to the expectations of really big-time artists. Uh, And and what that means when you're obsessive-compulsive is you're like, you know what? I really love this story, but this threw it just enough off course that I need to delete this or burn it. Okay. Okay. You see, t- you you have very. Uh, I have the same. Prof- uh, there's another artist on Twitch that has what that things work the same way with her that they sort of work with me, and it, it, I feel very comfortable in her chat room as well. But Gabrielle Rose from the Dead, she does the same thing with her art. the The other day, she so she was doing a whole series of uh, plants growing from body parts and bones and stuff. Ooh, it was it was really cool she's just very very good and uh, and she was doing it with the stippling like uh, ian does or, oh okay yeah but she was she's just like where ian you could watch him over the course of the last couple of years get better and better and yeah. better uh, she was just naturally good she just there she there she goes she does like 2000 dots there it is jeez
3: uh, lucky okay
2: but she moved on to uh, figures in her last stream and uh, frustrated herself because she immediately expected that same level of thing to transfer over. And even though she knew that it was supposed to be like a learning thing, that she Uh was not going to do well at that at first, it still frustrated her. And that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's she, I'm the same way about writing that she is about art and it's trying to talk ourselves into doing things like we both. Now she has a store and she's like, quite a bit farther along, uh, mastering what's going on with her than I am. But she, uh, uh, she, I, I just, I'm like, okay, I can, I can relate to that because like I I'll get into something and then I'll see something else that, and it'll start pointing over to this. And then I'll, you know, this one paragraph takes the story from going straight on to going off to the right at an angle. Okay. Bit. And now why did it do that? So I sit and I look it's overthinking. So I'm like, why did it do that? Oh, I'm headed for a cliche. I realized that I'm headed for the the path of least resistance. So I'll blow that part out of my story. So it's a lot oh, yeah. like, yeah, so it's like uh, it's it ends up being uh, like a game of Rampage.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you that don't know Rampage, please stop for a minute. pause this, Google it, and then come back. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, my God, I love that game so much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so now, so, now I'm picturing you writing... Rampage happening. Got you. Keep going.
2: <laughs> yeah. So imagine a rampage where you built the buildings and then you knock them down as a big monster.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
2: sort of that's sort of what happens a lot of the times. Or I'll like uh just overhandle a story so much that I can't feel what's going on there anymore. Or uh believe it or not, I don't have the same problem with poetry. Poetry, I'll put any old shit out there. Okay. Uh, and a lot of times, like what I consider any old shit, people be like, I, I can't believe you put that stuff together. Um, I'm a much better poet than
1: I am a fiction writer, uh, I guess. And so, question then, and, and, and maybe I'm totally wrong, but just uh, looking at the way you do music, um, you know, and then the way that you do writing, if you have a certain set style or what you perceive writing should look like if you're writing say a novel um would you look at poetry more than as like the experimental sound where you're experimenting and seeing what happens with no defined order of things just let's see what the fuck happens compared to it has to go a b c d e f or it's not right
2: yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot more uh freedom you know, a, 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 in poetry, it's the, it is the same. It's, it's a lot of the same way I write music. It's just, I take this thing and I try to put it into these little uh, containers called words, you know, just imagine, <laughs> imagine if you will, like, like a bunch of little aquariums. Each one has a different color of water. Each one has a different thing living in it. Maybe plants, maybe like betta fish and imagine stacking those uh stacking those up that's what i see poetry like it's like i have this feeling that doesn't have that can be defined by a word what's the best word for it then i go and i do that it's uh but with stories unless you're talking about like a really short story uh uh-huh. um, there's a guy who does that brian uh he has a pot now he's all he's all into star wars uh, he does a podcast called full of sith but uh okay. i got one of his um, books of short stories when I was at uh, Origins, like a, a a board game fair one year they had a little author's corner and he believed in something called holographic fich- fiction which really influenced me it was where you told a much bigger story by telling a much smaller story so all the things that the story inferred going through gave you a sense of the past and the future of the story
1: oh that's so, cool
2: yeah so instead of r- writing like a 100 page mini novel or something he would like make one short story and you can infer the rest like, like 20 page story that you could infer like 200 pages from.
1: Okay, that is pretty that to me that's impressive. That's yeah, he, impressive to be able to do that cuz you're really putting in descriptive things but you're doing it in such a minimalist sort of way yeah. that it isn't overly consuming yet it still paints that picture.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um uh he like I wish he would have I wish like he made some other Short stories as time went along, but after a while, I'm not sure what he does uh, besides the full of or the full of Sith podcast. He uh, he wrote one book that was really widely regarded uh, as a really good book called Lost at the Con. And it was his experience of going to a con as not as be, uh, being a non geek, and it was really good. Okay, um, okay. So yeah, and uh, I'm I've I've also found that I'm much. Uh, Getting off that topic a little bit, I'm much better at, at creating universes than I am making people live inside of them.
1: Okay, so sort of like a, if you were to be a painter, the difference between a landscape painter compared to a uh, realism, uh, yeah. very specific eyeballs, hands, lifting up a cup person. Yeah,
2: and oddly enough, even when I, the few times I have gotten out paints, I'm a landscape person there too. Nice. Uh, but uh, sometimes, I feel like I have a character in mind sometimes and it's like, uh, if have you ever known somebody in your past where you haven't seen them, like there was, uh, there was this really cute girl named I remember her name was Tracy. I remember she had like, uh, dark hair and I remember she was a farmer's daughter and she lived down the street from me. But, like when I try to actually think of what her face looked like, Uh I can't remember it because like, I thought, you know, I would return to that as like what I thought pretty was at the time. My, my, my brain would continue to that. It was like wearing out a photograph, you know what I mean? The more I returned to it, the less a grip I had on who that person really was outside of my conception. And sometimes I feel like I overthink some of my characters to the point where I lose track of who they are. Um,
1: that makes a lot of sense though
2: yeah and I'd like then then i like look back at consistency and i'm like why that character do this with how they how they uh how i wrote them so i've been the next time i'm able to write i've just i've had a case uh, so my my uncle who i didn't know very well he committed suicide last uh, spring oh, I'm sorry. and oh uh, yeah i mean i didn't i didn't know him really well i did I haven't even talked to him for years. It's just that something about that just gave me writer's block. It was, uh, gotcha. I think, not sure what it was. And I figure, well, once I've, you know, figure out what that, what, what that is, I can just continue. But in the meantime, I'm sort of making plans. Um, there are cultures that believe that you don't contain one soul, that you can create, you contain four or five, eight souls and that there's just this sort of spirit that holds them together. And that's how they how people describe how you can be one person as a judgmental person and be another person as a compassionate person and another I person as that. a business person. Yeah. So my thought is that I'm going to start approaching uh characters like that and I'm going to like it's a little bit remember that old show Herman's Head?
3: <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thinking about it, something like that. But um, uh, it's re- it's really funny though that you you have this really um, secret inner life, and you know you know uh, some, and it's usually complicated. Everybody has a complicated inner life, but mm-hmm. it's very simplified once it reaches the outside. reaches the outside. We have so many mechanisms, persona. We have a persona.
1: Yeah. But-
2: and I think that one of the things that, one of the ways you, you can get around the persona and see how per, see what a person's really like, is to see what they do. And that's sort of that's sort of where I, that that whole character building concept of where okay do they use like do they use copper pipe do they use steel pipe, you learn to see who they are by what they do. Like they everybody shows all their character. In the outside world if even if they're not aware of it you just have to find those clues to find that the key to that character it's like uh okay what does their bedroom look
1: like uh or, see okay this is what i'm talking about when i say that like the depth that you go into for for describing bob right we're just, we're just randomly picking the name bob's always fun you going into your preparation to write is what does Bob's bedroom look like? But it actually doesn't play into the story completely, yet by the end of the story, everybody knows what Bob's bedroom looks like. Without you going, there's a brown bookshelf here. There are 14 blue and yellow books. Like, without doing that, you've already, you've put that into the bullet points of who Bob is, and, and then I want you create that without saying that, <laughs> and it trips me out.
2: Yeah, you just have to uh, uh, you just have to be able to work backwards from what you usually do. So you uh, well, is that true? You have to see what it is around a person that makes up their persona. So there's always a difference between who a person is by their actions. And sometimes it's only slight, but sometimes it's huge. Uh, and that, that goes into the characters as well, but a difference between their persona and what they do, you know, what the rest of them that's behind this wall of persona does. Okay. And So like, okay, so you, you have Bob and like Bob also read Miyamoto Musashi as a kid. Bob has a, a he'll sit down and he will, um, sharpen his stainless uh, steel katana on Wednesdays, uh, sec- the second Wednesdays of the mo- Wednesday of the month, and he will use a um, an Arkansas stone uh, sharpener that he's modified that used to be for knives, now it's for swords. Um, so what I've said about Bob so far is uh, one, he's a Western mind. People won't get that uh, unless they're Japanese, probably. But he's a Western mind trying to think of these things, these samurai things as a westerner. Uh, You'll also get that he he doesn't know enough about the samurai tradition to avoid stainless steel swords.
1: Okay, I knew enough about that to go, why the hell are you using stainless steel? But keep going, got you. You'll know that uh,
2: Bob will go out of his way to adapt what he thinks should be the way to do things into the way he does things. So instead of actually researching the Japanese sword, instead of seeing that you use choji powder, you you know wipe it down with rice paper, he's going to take what he knows, which is uh, using an Arkansas sharp- saw sharpening stone, and he's going to convert the whole kit so that it will do the length of the sword. Uh, mm-hmm. What you have there is somebody who is also, who's who's... Taught himself how to take care of knives, and he takes the same attitude towards his samurai blade. So what you have there is uh, a guy who was very inspired by Eastern thinking, but just didn't quite get it. Um, so this is a guy who, uh, this is a guy who really feels strongly. This guy is a cultural appropriator in the in today's in today's terms, but it just turns out he has a really big passion for. All things Japanese. So you can say cultural appropriator, or you can say you know, a weeb that lives in uh, Arkansas. Am I allowed to say that? I think so. A weeb, just somebody who likes Japanese culture lives in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah.
1: But that's okay. Like what you just did is what I'm talking about. Like that is that's to me that's madly impressive because while I didn't go all those places, that's what you put into it. And then once you started describing it, and I'm, I'm like, I picture him. I know what Bob looks like. You know, not not a hundred percent, but a a vision of what Bob looks like. And not just what he looks like, but probably his mannerisms, the way he moves, the way his actions are. Um, just going by stereotypes of those things that you brought up. Um, yeah. and, and I didn't even think about, you know, because as soon as he said, stainless the steel katana, I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's it, it's, but but that makes sense though. In your story, people that know are gonna go, okay, he doesn't totally know, so he's now in this category. It's able to build that picture for people to visually get. Well, that's it's it's crazy. Like that's what I mean by like your writing is. To me, you know, as a, as, as a, you know, not not really a writer, like I'm a storyteller, but I'm not a writer. Yeah. It's next level shit, <laughs> you know, like that's. So,
2: like, you know what I've, what I'm actually proud of is that there's a, um, oh, I have to, like, get the link to my, my blog, I think it's called Interdimensional Truck Stop. I haven't hit it up for a while, nice. but I actually did a kid's book. And okay. it's it's done in uh, it's done in rhyme, and uh, that I fin the, I, that I finished one part out of three, and it was because there was I think it was because there was poetry involved.
1: Okay, hey, maybe that's a key. Start mixing poetry into your uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's gonna, it's gonna kick you in the butt to do it. <laughs> yeah.
2: For sure. But like kids books, I don't have much of a problem with. But when I look back on the story, the story, I think seems sort of familiar. There's always a moral in kids books. And that moral seems familiar. So I, I, I'd like to like, see if I'm not, if what I'm doing isn't inspired by something I might have written as a kid. I've been actually looking that up. Uh, Actually, I was looking that up today. I got it. If I can find I think there was a story that sort of inspired me to do that. I need to find that, uh, and there'll always be stories that
1: inspire you. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's how we that's how we create. That's how we do what we do. Is there's something that, and, and maybe not every single human being, but a lot. There's a vision, you know, that they saw. There's a something, whether it was a visual thing or whether it was a story thing or whether it was something they heard or whether it was. a a story around a campfire when you were seven years old, you know, whatever it is, there's something that that gave you that inspiration to do the thing that you're doing, that that built the thing that you're building. I think also I'm going to try
2: to branch out into genres, Um, and the the big reason for that is um, I think that there's a lot that other genres can teach you about the genre you really like to write in, so like if you if you want to be good at writing relationships, especially romantic relationships, you might want to like write some you know romance, some pulp romance or right. uh, things like that uh, the a lot of the books that I've read about like actually making uh, making a living being a writer say that you should diversify your streams. you should be writing several different kinds of things, like including nonfiction. but the great thing about nonfiction is is if you're writing about like, crime you know criminology uh-huh. you can bleed that right over into a mystery or something or if you're if you're writing a book on how to survive tokyo as a gaijin you know um then you that could go right into
1: <laughs> right into a story you know see uh, it's it's that's interesting because in college um english i excelled at like english class in in all my psychology classes like writing a a fact-based paper, a, you know, open up textbooks, open up other published works, you know, the, the peer-review works, those sort of things. And finding the strain of logic and the strain of proven, to me, I'm, I'm all about it. I can I can write you a 10-page, 15-page paper in a heartbeat because I love it. Like, all I got to do is research, boom, got it. You know, I'll quote where I need to yeah. quote and I'll, I'll cite what I need to cite and I'll make that happen turning that into a a story well, that to me is intriguing like you you say like going from you know grabbing that which of course you have to you got to take a little bit of reality and put it into your your fantasy that would i'm intrigued now like now now i want to like maybe not actually write it but like think out stories and use factual knowledge that i have but put it into a non-factual story if that makes sense
2: Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's. I was decent at research papers. uh, You know, I didn't graduate, but in college, I was decent at research papers. But I was always researching stuff that the the professors were just like, "What are you doing? Why are you doing this?" I mean, you I mean, you get an A, but I don't know if anybody really needed to know about, uh, you know, the Church of Satan.
1: why why are you doing I mean a great job yeah. but why yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> i I got one keep this paper to yourself, please. nice uh, I'm giving you an a it was on um oh it was on um uh, what do you call etiquette in um, um slave and master relationships Okay yeah, okay. Yeah, I I, I can't even oh, I remember why. I just knew some people who were into it. I was just like, well, how do you know? How do you know if this is okay? How do you know what you can do? <laughs> Does uh-huh, this uh-huh. extend into your outside life? Do you like tell him to make you a sandwich and he just he or she just comes up to you with a sandwich and please sir may I have another? Or you know. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot. You should really like if you're gonna pick up all the pieces. You've got to go down the all the roads. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, that
1: I agree with. That yeah, I agree you've,
2: with. you've got to go down into da- sometimes dangerous and dark roads or roads that have stigma attached to them.
1: If just, you want to know the city layout, sometimes you got to check out the alleys. That's just how it is.
2: Yeah, yeah, and in the end, like, you know, that's that's also part of the whole writing process is not being afraid to go certain places. But I think, <coughs> sorry. The biggest advice I'd give anyone is to not write yourself into stories. I know there's like a big uh, and, you know, really, at the end of the day, do what you want.
3: But right. Like, right, right.
2: Uh, there's a big tendency to, I, like I've seen OC around quite a bit. and It's like where you have an original character, yeah. you put it into a, a universe that somebody's already made, and that's, you know, it's cool. You know, follow your bliss, okay. but like, not like a lot of them that I've seen is that you were putting yourself into the story (laughs) and it's just like, well, that's, that's good. And it would be a way of, it would be a way of like self, like, like exploring yourself a little bit. Oh, except I don't see it as self exploration a lot. I see it a lot as people are putting a persona into the story. And it's like, if you're going to put yourself in a story like, usually if I find myself writing myself into a story and it will sneak up on you, uh, I, usually really? kill that, I usually kill that character. I kill him off.
1: Okay.
2: It's
1: like, oh, wait, that's me. And then a truck hit this poor guy. <laughs> yeah, the right. and-,
2: and then all of a sudden they needed to go to another galaxy or make something I- funny happen to the character.
0: Man, that's like almost a semi-morbid yet peaceful way to commit suicide technically.
1: I can see that as a way to <laughs> uh, and, and I'm gonna go like way deeper than maybe I should, but as a way to accept immortality. You know, like, hey, you're there, this is about you and now now you're gone. You you went, e- either you disappeared or the ship you were on blew up and it was peaceful and it's okay and you moved on and life continues to carry on. That I could be away with, with touching on your own, you know, the fact that you're not immortal, that that okay, yeah, I'll die. Um but I'm not gonna cry about it right now. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like it's it's uh and also, like most of the time, when you're writing yourself, it's sneaking. It, it, a lot of times, it's sneaking in, um, and it's not like the it's not the most personal parts of yourself. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. This is what I would love to be. I'd love to be a sheriff that never misses his mark.
1: But right, right,
2: this is what I like to be. So you sort of have to. But like, it's similar to what you do in real life. I'm not talking about like any act of self harm. I'm talking about where you you see a part of your life, and you're just sort of like, "This is what I want to be, so I'm gonna go be this." Or, "This is part of my life. I'm never gonna be this. I'm gonna leave it alone. I'm gonna like kill it. I'm just gonna kill it."
1: Yeah,
3: you,
2: you know, know? That,
1: that makes a lot of sense. I am, um, yeah. you know, the the whole story process. There's uh, what is the word? There's always a protagonist. There's always, yeah. uh, you know, something's going on. You gotta fix it. I sat down uh, years ago, 20-plus years ago, and said, I want to write a story because someone told me the basic theme to any story is that there's a hero and there's a bad guy, and the hero has to overcome the bad guy or bad thing or whatever. And I said, well, screw that because I'm a rebel, and I do what I want. So I'm going to write a story where everything is good, right? There is nothing... Bad going to happen in the story. This is going to be the story of somebody who has had every opportunity and every great thing has happened, and there's never a bad thing. This is going to be a utopian, perfect life. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so I did, and I I was I was writing when it first started, and, and it was. I took the parts of me that I always wished were the best, and I started writing the story, and I described the person that was very descriptive you know, going on in their life and everything else. So when you say things to sneak up on you, this is what, uh, this is what made me stop writing that story and never pick it up again. Is, I'm writing, you know, do-to-do and, and, you know, it'll be a great blockbuster, but it's a, a guy that was into skateboarding. I went with something that I was into, you know, skateboarding. And, um, you know, had had a few bucks and just so happened to invest him into the perfect thing that blew up. And then within four years, he was a multi-trillionaire. And, you know, like money wasn't an issue. And he helped the people around him. And when he woke up in the morning, he was in a perfect bed. And he got to go down his favorite, you know, slide to the to the, the kitchen to make his perfect breakfast. And, you know, he got to pick this perfect car and grab his skateboard and go to his job that he employed hundreds of people and made sure their lives are perfect, you know, like this great thing, right? Yeah. What was his name? Uh I You know what? I don't even remember if I gave him a name.
2: Because I guarantee you, like, if his name was Bob, like, <laughs> almost all of your readers are sitting there going, fuck you and your happiness, Bob. <laughs>
1: fuck you, Bob. But here's here's where I stopped writing. <laughs> Is, and, and I, oh, and I, to keep in mind, I was writing this on an old school typewriter, which was, like, whole vibe in itself like tick 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 and i think at that i'd had 15 20 pages of story just tick 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 loved it and so i'm writing and i'm writing and i'm writing and i didn't realize until i was probably three pages into the character went into the board the boardroom you know, with his closest uh, you know, friends that were all now millionaires because, you know, he's helping everybody out and life is good. And why they were having a board meeting was because somebody from within his company infiltrated and was trying to sabotage his business so that theirs could grow and take over his. And I was like, fuck, I put in a bad guy. Like I didn't even mean to. I was three pages deep describing the situation that they had to overcome. And I'm like,
3: "Ah." Your,
1: your character, conflict makes
2: stories interesting. So your character should always have something hanging over them like an axe. It's always, if you're talking about like more of an action story, they should always be at risk of dying. Right. You know, if you're talking about like something more like a Stephen King stand by me thing, they should always, well, those guys were in risk of dying too. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> sure. but when you're talking about like, uh, you know, other stuff, your character should be in risk of something that they might consider. The same as dying, like severe humiliation or complete failure. There always has to, yeah. I think there always has to be that tension, and um, you also can't be afraid to. You can't just like if when things go swimmingly, what happens is that uh, the 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 viewer tunes out or the 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 lack of angst in your character creates angst in them which is like <laughs> the fuck you bob phenomena <laughs> and that's sort of like
1: right it's and i i got it like it was it was an experiment because after learning that this is how you know the writing should be that was my i'm a rebellious punk i'm gonna do it and then I had to stop and go, okay, it doesn't matter how rebellious I am. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It it This is what makes a story, is having a a. I mean, what is it? Almost every feel-good story that you see on social media is somebody overcoming. It's somebody that is blind, wanted to be on the football team, and so they handed off the ball and they yelled out things so he knew how to run and do a touchdown. You know, like all kinds of things what is that what was that movie of that that kid it was like the 90s that was like the little rudy uh, rudy rudy is like forever known you know and if it would have been just a story of a six foot four really strong guy that could do it it wouldn't have been the same story yeah no no because it didn't have that well he's got to overcome this huge you know deficiency or whatever it is now i know i I,
2: i've already I know that it's not. It's also not. And don't forget to put a trigger warning for suicide <laughs> on gotcha, this. Gotcha. Well, just because we discussed it, uh, I'm I'm getting really used to the 2020s at this point. Uh, just prefer not to have endless like online wars with people yeah, sitting, yeah. spouting the latest religion at me. But the um, <laughs> sorry. sorry, no, it's, it is. I, know, it's, I hear you. I hear you. As... Like I spend most of my days avoiding like ignorant Trump trunker, Trump truckers and, uh, blue haired shame priestesses. Most of the time I'm sidestepping the entire thing. Cause I come that that's left field and right field and I'm playing football, not baseball. So, um, yes. so, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, but like your characters, you, can't be afraid to and i and even mentioning this name is controversial just because of uh, whatever's come out about his private life but joss waden taught me a few very good lessons about telling stories and one is uh characters die you know yeah. sometimes characters die and characters people really love in between yeah. him, oh, you know george george r, r. martin um uh joss whedon and stephen king walk into a bar and everybody dies right <laughs> yes they do yes, yes. Oh, so it. yeah so you 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 have to like you have to not be afraid to let bad things happen to good characters uh as long as you don't make it into torture porn some people just like get into like oh, these people are just suffering so much. I can't, I find it hard to watch those stories because it's just like, now it's just about this, this torture. Yeah. But like hostile and shit like that. But like, I mean, it's a story,
1: but you know. Well, to just, something, something like a Seaman King's Gunslinger series. There yeah. Was, there was a lot of that where he would build up a character, that character's gone. He would build yeah. up his character, that character's gone. You know, there was obviously a theme because it was the Gunslinger. Yeah. But. All the other characters that weren't just side characters, but were actually built up to be this gun, and and it did. It it kept you. And <clears throat> so I've i never oh, been a huge Stephen King fan. Pretty. Um, never been a huge Stephen King fan, but yeah. I was <laughs> I was gifted like book three of the Gunslinger series, the Wasteland. So I Yeah, I started, oh, yes, yeah. I started on that book, right, and not knowing anything about it, got halfway through and went and bought the two before it, just was like, yes, this is a whole bunch of yes, because, you know, at first I was like, Stephen King, I'm, I'm not a big horror person, um, you know, I've yes. talked about that plenty of times, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big baby when it comes to horror things, I just, you know, prefer not to, that is not a horror book, that is a, in my opinion, amazingly, well written, not not that any of his other stuff isn't. Obviously, it's Stephen King, but that book was written so freaking well that I was a fifteen-year-old, you know, young man that didn't have much supervision. I could have done anything I wanted to do. I could have been out at four in the morning, skateboarding where I wanted to, and spray painting the walls I wanted to. Instead, I sat engrossed. For day after day after day in these books and and that in itself like knowing the characters are going to come and go you know but but the story the way it was written the way all of that was done yeah that's that that's something that had i picked up a book where nothing went wrong i'd put that bitch down i'd be like look okay good for you and your happy life the rest of us live a regular one and i would have moved on to the gunslinger which was very much a fantasy you know jumping worlds oh yeah
2: oh oh there's one point in that series where i was just like chris rock in uh jan silent bob strike back where i was like man george luke is gonna sue somebody <laughs> <laughs> like robotic werewolves with lightsabers that was like okay right. okay
1: the train part the, tra- the oh, train okay yeah. so here's here's the thing in this iconic this, Oh, God, this made me so mad. I was reading it before the next book had come out. So the the train cliffhanger... <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> the train cliffhanger happened, and then I can't remember if it was, like, multiple years before the next one came out. And, it, and so I'm sitting there with this, like, train cliffhanger in my head for a long time. And, and this is dating me, but... Um, back when Barnes & Noble was on Every Other Corner, I remember that's when I heard that the new one had come out. I literally went and stood in the aisle in Barnes & Noble to read what happened because I didn't have the money to buy the book. I sat and read in Barnes & Noble what happened on that freaking train.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about, too.
1: But it was Um, so good.
2: Did you make it through the entire series?
1: I, I haven't i haven't
2: i um oh you're gonna want to kick rocks
1: oh, i know i i definitely do i I, oh, I absolutely do but that's that's the thing that like i love reading i adore reading um i'm at a place and, and this is I've i've accepted and absorbed this into my life is i go through stages in my life of different things that i do um, yeah. Went through a stage of, like I used to read like crazy, like Lord of the Rings trilogy, like the OG one, read yeah. all that without like skipping a beat. It's actually started with every single, somebody gifted my family when I was a young teen, almost every single Hardy Boys book. Now, if you guys know Hardy Boys book, there's yeah. like a hundred plus Hardy Boys books, read them all. Yeah. There was the summer. All my friends went out and played, and I was sitting on my bed at two in the afternoon, reading Hardy Boys book after Hardy Boys book. I read the the um, Jack London. Got huge into Jack London. Loved Jack London, um, and went into you know Tolkien. Um, and then I hit a point where I was doing music, so I stopped oh, yeah. reading almost completely, you know, for for pleasure, and went to making music. And music was my my life. Now I'm in an art stage. So I'm creating constantly, um, you know, with with art. So I know that it's going to rotate back around to books, and that's when I'm going to be grabbing that Gunslinger series and finishing it off. Um, I look forward to it. It's... uh... So yeah, yeah.
2: I'll just you, you let me know when you finish that, and tell me yeah. what you think about the end. So, um,
1: so so does it does it actually finally end? That's an important thing I need to know because I'm not getting left on a cliffhanger like that again. Damn it! I would say this
2: before you move on to anything else. There was a so Stephen King wrote a bunch of them, and then he was hit by a car or a truck, and then he read. Then he wrote the rest of them, and there's definitely a difference between the first and there is a part where he puts himself inside of the story.
1: I didn't know that that's kind of neat. It's
2: it it took me a bit to get used to it. Okay. but uh, yeah, it'll it'll happen and uh, there's also um, yeah, so after he was finished with the series, they made they started making graphic novels but they began them before so at the very beginning of the story like when roland uh, was getting his guns they they uh-huh. set it in gilead before and a guy named peter david wrote those uh, he's known in the mar- he's known for doing stuff in the marvel universe um, okay. he wrote those those novels and those novels so filled out the world that stephen king made that stephen king went back and made a sh- a, a shorter novel called A "Went Through the Keyhole" uh, that had to do with that had to that was more rooted in some of the stuff that Dave built over in the graphic novels. It seemed to me, but so uh, but "Went Through the Keyhole" is an excellent story, and I would get that next, and I would get okay. it on audiobook. Okay, uh, but yeah, "Went Through the Keyhole" is pretty incredible storytelling and it's very it's very much a fable but at the same time it's it's that weird thing that gabriel garcia marquez does and stuff like a very old man with enormous wings it's like magical reality this is talking like a fable but there are all these details that say that you're in a real world and it's 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 disconcerting it's disconcerting and very cool um that sounds awesome yeah it's uh, it's it's pretty incredible, but
1: um, did they make I would, a movie of the Gunslinger?
2: They did, and so the movie, as a story, works so much better than the seven books of the Dark Tower. But it's not the same experience. Uh, it okay. it works it works as a a smaller story that encapsulates more what he wanted. To encapsulate uh, it takes the most gra- it takes the most important elements of the world puts them into a movie gotcha. and it has it almost has nothing to do other other than the world that it's set in it almost has nothing to do with the rest of the book uh,
1: but I, I really like the movie uh, okay, that's really good to know because I've been I've been wanting to see it for some reason I put it off um, I've been wanting to see it my biggest concern has been since uh the Secret Garden. Now, now this is an old kids' book that I read when I was oh, yeah. seven, eight years old. Um, I I, I read that book. You, you you read that book? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I would assume most people have, but I I read it. They made a movie of it. I watched the movie, and as a kid. I'm critiquing the crap out of it, going, what is this pile of garbage? This happened, this, you know, you know I'm doing the book thing, right? <laughs> yeah.
3: You
1: know, I'm a kid getting mad at this, and I never watched, No, I think I watched the movie one other time when I was like like maybe three or four years later, so like under the age of 11 or 12, um, and, and the same thing was pissed off, and I've never watched it since, and I've been very, very leery of any movie that I read the book of first. Um, I enjoy now if I know that a movie is based off a book and it is maybe backwards, but I watch the movie first most times and then I go back and read the book um, because I'm let down a whole lot less uh, than if I read the book before watching the movie. Yeah, with, uh, with Dark Tower
2: you have to say, like it is not for fanboys at cool. all. It's, okay, good. See, it's completely that, just... Just, yeah. it's got as many difference between it and the Dark Tower as uh, Blade Runner has, with uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? <laughs> okay. Yeah, like that's the that's the the story that Blade Runner is based on. Uh, okay. that's That's Philip, Philip K. Dick's story, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And then Blade Runner is this that really highly stylized, just set the genre, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, movie. And uh, but. And Blade Runner on its own is very good. If you're expecting right. Right. Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, you're gonna miss at least like you're gonna miss. There was one punchline in Do Androids. Uh, there there's several things that there are several differences but in, in Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Rachel a- actually sleeps with Decker to I think sleeps with him to um, convince him not to go kill the other replicants. But he just goes okay. ahead and kills the other replicants anyways. So she shoves his sheep off the top of the building. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I sort of missed that punchline because it was very funny in my head when I wrote it but or read it. But um right. yeah. Right. So very different. And uh, Blade Runner 2049 still even more different. Like I had friends who love Blade Runner that hated Blade Runner 2049. I happen to like it. Um more questioning on what it is to be human. But um yeah, but the so Bla- so dark tower also has something Shows the technique that both Joss Whedon and Stephen King have all except Stephen King really twit really figures out something subtle that makes the knife twist really hard to take like you got to put that in the book um, in uh, Like an angel um, So the backstory to this was um, Uh, Angel had a son, which was technically supposed to be impossible because vampires, right? And his son got kidnapped, taken to a hell dimension, and raised over a course of like 16, 17 years. Uh, Time was different, so two weeks later he had his son back, but he was grown up and surly and raised by his enemy, right? Right. Right. So uh, so his son uh, drops him. Uh, you don't know what you know at the end of one uh, episode you see his son like knock him out he's there to convince confess his love for Cordelia Chase his son knocks him out that's the last thing you see and in the meanwhile something really 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 deus ex machina happen well deus Ex Cordelia gets taken to a higher dimension to be a higher being for a while so she doesn't show up so the next episode starts with him and there's this vision of there's this scene with him eating supper with everybody everybody loves but you know immediately know that there's something a little off because his son isn't acting like a complete prick so you're like oh wow what's they skip ahead in time what's going on here you know Mm -hmm. and it's just you feel really safe and it, it's like one of those things like when you have characters who are dying left and right or when you, when you have loved characters that are dying left and right when you have you know all this dan- this constant danger when you see them safe finally it's just this it's as great a feeling as the excitement it's just like oh man finally yeah. they're safe but while they're eating the room begins to fill with water and the, the room starts going through changes and um then it shows his son has basically put him in like a box and dropped into the bottom of the ocean and his his brain's being starved so it's creating these these visions that end up very, you know start with comforting and end up harmful and he keeps reliving right. them over and over again and you're just like oh man we to
1: switch the knife but um that's that that went from and that's great storytelling yeah where Oh my goodness, this is so wonderful. This is peaceful. This is safe. This is great. This is for terror. This is horrible. But, you know, yeah. Stephen that out.
2: Stephen King perfected the technique in uh one one of his books. And it was you have these characters that you really love. And uh-huh. they've they've had this excuse me, this huge victory. And then he, he announces it at a time. He's like, mark them well. This is the last time they're going to be happy together.
1: Uh, <laughs> like, see, oh, you like, so, come on. Like, <laughs> you <laughs> son <laughs> of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, like, my first thought is, fuck you, I'm putting this down. I'm not looking again. But then can't. the rest of me is going, but what does he mean? Wait a minute. What happened? I care about them. I must find out. Yeah. genius it's genius. We also
2: have a, you know, the the, wow. the 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 secret to that betrayal is that you just hope he means that one of them is going to a different dimension. It's like, oh, yes. maybe the other one's just going to a different dimension.
1: <laughs> you know the endless possibilities of horror that can happen, but yeah. you're hoping for the <laughs> least of them. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, they're just like, man then you read what happens, and you're just like, oh, you son of a bitch. Right. Like, what do I'm, you do? Uh,
1: why? Why? <laughs> so I'm, of, I'm, I'm curious, then, with, with your writing, and, and you, you've uh, taken somewhat of a hiatus um, from it, is what you're writing, is it something where uh, you're working on just something for something? Are you doing this because you, um, let's just say you do get re-inspired tomorrow? you know, and you, you go back into it. Is it something that your goal is to complete a finished novel and put it out there for people? This is this just personal project? You know, it's, I got, I got to
2: say that like most of the stuff I do, I do it for the love. Okay. And uh, I have to like with this, it's, it's sort of a labor of love, but at the same time, it's, um, uh, indulging in the writing process is also indulging in a healing process or in a way th- or in a process that will help me like live a little better with uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Okay. Um, and I think that the signs of that will be that, you know, I'm doing it for love but I'm also, you know, making the time to get my story to people you know, even if it's free, you know, you know or make a little novelette that I sell on Amazon or I I think that I'm going to release stuff uh, like in my head, like the perfect world. I'm releasing this story in serial. So I guess one of the big things is that you write, uh, I forget what they're called, novelettes or something like that. But they're about large enough so that people can read them on the bus on the way home uh, successfully. Um, So uh, 40 pages at a time, something like that. Okay. Uh, writing as a serial and the other reason i do that is of course the almighty stephen king did the green mile in a serial form so when oh, he first released did. it yeah he released it little book by little book so uh yeah i like That's went no through idea. and collected oh yeah excuse me collected them all and another book where he takes like the uh kindest most gentle <laughs> innocent people and
1: right kills them right. Like, like, on one hand, genius. On the other hand, fuck you, Stephen King. Like, <laughs>
2: Shawshank Redemption confused the hell out of me because I'm like, so what you're saying is he went through the hole in his wall and then he fell to his death? No. He survived? And he made it to Mexico? And so did Red? I am, really? dude. You know, this, this is only spoilers for people who haven't been alive for the last 30 years. But Yeah, you know, it's like you know, If you haven't seen
1: Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. What? It's like, okay.
2: they survived? Yeah, was just like, this is bullshit. This isn't Stephen King. Somebody, this is this is (laughs) Tabitha King.
1: Somebody hijacked this stuff. But see, that's that's like a beautiful Stephen King twist, though. You you come to expect this, bazinga. Yeah, yeah, and
2: in the end, like as he went on, like people died, like main characters died less and less. And he, he actually beat, he got into other genres behind, besides horror, and I think that his best stuff was like sci-fi and uh, just sort of like Dolores Claymore. Okay. Stuff like that where he, he would tell those. But, boy, did he get in and say, do you have I noticed you have an iPhone. Do you have Apple Plus or Apple TV?
1: Uh, I, Yeah, I do, actually. I didn't well, realize I did, but my phone plan said, hey, we gave this to you free two months ago, and I'm like, thank you for telling me.
2: One of the weirdest Stephen King stories ever is on there. It's called Lizzie's Story. Uh,
1: that sounds familiar.
2: It's the weirdest thing. Like I can't, like for the most part, I can't remember the plot, but I can remember the images really well. Okay. Because it's it's like sort of set. I mean, it's very dreamlike, but I definitely recommend it. it for a lot of it, you'll be going, "What's going on?" And then when you find out what's going on, you're sort of like, "Why is that going
1: on?" Uh, I'm actually looking at the phone right now going do I have' it downloaded my apple plus
2: oh yeah i, I right apple's plus been putting pretty out some good stuff but like know. uh the big the big deal about i, I want to at least get some stuff out in this universe I've created because I've had this universe sort of I've written in it a couple of times um and submitted short stories to people um the the universe in my head is uh, something I want to explore more um. It's um, it, it definitely has a lot of structure to it. And I wanna I wanna I want to uh, write story, write characters in it. like the the whole point is that it's these people who are going through these really like unusual places that are very disparate from each other. So it's the <clears throat> one of the points is that they are uh, constantly explorers and tourists. But, like, for example, there will be a, a planet that they visit at some point that was created in this created by a very ancient race that's not even seen in the galaxy anymore. And it, what it was meant to do was, when you put living things on this planet, this planet makes them uh, multiply. So that if you're, like, for example, if you're looking to make a cure for, you know a, a disease that spreads through elm trees you would plant elm seeds and you would end up with a forest before it's uh-huh. the whole thing is meant to like grow things for research but later humans have found it and they go there and like it's almost it's illegal for most people to go down there because you go down there your hormones go uh just go outrageous and you 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 go at it like bunnies and have litters of children okay so, so it's like, you know, it's very, it's very controlled, but it's like trying to take a look at, in that case, uh, what alien technology and cultures could look like that we haven't imagined yet, you know. Uh, so Dang. little little known fact that if there's ever like uh, an overt alien invasion, there are several science fiction authors that are on tap for the president so that they can explore this. I'm, I, I'm guessing that Ursula Le Guin was one of them. Um, until she, I think she passed on, I think, I'm not sure. But uh, but it was, it's because like a lot of science fiction writers have gone into saying, oh, there are these things that could make, make a big difference when we first meet other uh, civilizations. And we need people with imagination to take a look at it. And not only imagination, but people who have studied like Xeno, you know, things Xeno, like have a, have a methodology for finding out about things that we just haven't seen yet. Um, there was uh, I was inspired. There's this there's a writer Wilhelmina Baird who isn't really well known. I accidentally I just saw one of her book covers and I was like, oh that looks cool, and I read it. She wrote Psychosis and um, uh, Psychosis was the the book that I liked, and it was basically they were trying to figure out there was an invading uh, uh, species, and they were like jellyfish, and they would twirl, and as their arms would twirl and touch. That's how they would communicate, through okay. their through their tendrils. Well, they were trying to just figure out how to stop their forward advance. So she and uh, some other um, commandos, uh, they thought that they could do it through altering their symbolism. So they st- snuck into one of the sacred spaces and changed the symbols around in the sacred place. And it created like a kind of a madness. And they began fighting amongst each other just because their symbols were changed.
1: Interesting. Interesting.
2: Uh, another really good uh, person with stuff like this is uh, China Miéville. Um, he wrote a book called Embassy Town that was all about how a another um, species becomes addicted to human language to the point where some of them actually have to cut off their hear the, their hearing apparatus so that they can beat their addiction to human language.
1: Oh, so like like a. Uh, crack cocaine yeah yeah
2: it's like our our language becomes oh wow little, yeah it's just like but like i i could and i try to like envision the um conversation that you're having with your buds at the pub or something where that comes up it's like you know one of your friends <laughs> just trying to be complimentary and like your language is so good it's addictive and right. just trying to mevo going hey
1: but that's that's one thing I love about, especially about story writing and in storytelling and that sort of thing, is that you get to make up whatever you want. You know, that's I, I like I said, I love telling stories. I love making them up um, more than anything because you can literally do whatever your imagination it, it, it has the ability to do. Right? Yeah. And that's, like, on, on my stream, I would think, give me two words, I'll make up a story. Um, I did that more so for the the ability to keep my brain limber, yeah. right? Like, I love uh, someone going, hey, uh, shoes and, you know, uh, a wolf. And I'm like, all right, cool. I got to make up a story about shoes and a wolf. And my favorite thing to do with, with that. Instead of going with the generic, okay, he's going to tell a story either about how a funny wolf is wearing shoes or a wolf has chewed up shoes, right? I go, okay, that's the generic that somebody's probably going to go with. I'm going to go with a guy named Bob. I love the name Bob. A guy named Bob is a cobbler who makes shoes, but then had an epiphany to go off into the jungle and then came across a wounded wolf and help that wolf nurse back to life like has nothing to do with the wolf wearing shoes or the wolf eating shoes but it, it you know took those two things and now has made a story about a a, uh, a humanitarian cobbler that wants to help out nature you know what i mean like <laughs> but to be able to take that and and have to do it in front of people straight off the top of my head without going into it is in depth and i think that's one of the reasons why i'm so in awe of the way you do your writing is because the depth that i think that i can take things is very surface compared to the depth i've seen you take things and i probably haven't even seen the depth that you actually go in you know the book that you're writing and everything else and, and the things you have written and i think that's why it's so stinking impressive to me is Storytelling is is an absolute art form in my eyes. Uh, it is a you you got to be fairly dedicated, and, and I'm trying to think of the best word. Like, it's like a a mine shaft, and you got to be the one that's willing to go to the bottom of that mine shaft to get the best of what you're going to produce. And some people want to go 10 feet into a mine shaft and go, hey, I found a nugget of gold. Like, cool. Great nugget of gold. Whereas somebody that goes to the bottom is like, yeah, on the way down, I hit the gold. I hit the rubies. I hit the diamonds. I hit the emeralds. You know what I mean? Like, then you come out with this array of, and here you go. And everybody's just like, oh, my God. (laughs) You know? There's Stephen
2: King, and you're like, keep going until you see hell. (laughs) <laughs> and then we'll write about it <laughs> yeah yeah. I tell you what though like also like it's also nice to uh, I've gotten to read some of the stuff by people in the uh, Poch community uh, squiggles is like yeah. an endless font of like mm-hmm. super creative stuff and then uh, moon has her own style that like at first I was like this isn't like I, I would do this less verbosely but like the the second reading through, I was like, you know, this this narrative is part of this character. And I I and she ended up like I, I suggested some edits and she ended up, you know, doing the more grammatical ones and not doing the rest of the edits. And I was like, okay, but um, uh, but she she knows her, her voice really well. So That's awesome yeah so she like didn't change anything that had to do with the voice that she was talking in. She has changed the grant some of the grammar stuff, and that was I hope she gets really confident and starts putting stuff out because she sort of writes in a kind of a young person's romantic genre that's yes. It's... It's good, and uh, I think she could write in any genre. It's just she has that voice. Um, she's one of those cases where I'd say that maybe she's writing herself a lot, but it's it's good for what I mean. It's her writing's good, and yeah. it really yeah. um, it really helps her. But um, squace just will pull stuff out like a magician, like a rabbit out of the hat.
1: Here's yeah. here's poetry about this, and like. Wow. Um, Dude, the, the, the stuff that he's done. Like it and, and, and I, I love, yeah, both of them because they're very, very different. Very different, Reddy says. So that's a neat way to look at it. Yeah, Moon Moon has a very romanticized not just the topic, but the wording. And and I and I like yeah. that. That's that's her that's her niche. Yeah. And it's she does it well. I think she does it really well. Um, you know, me not being a professional writer by any means but when i read her stuff i'm like yes like and i it, see where you are with this
2: yes and i don't want to blow the plot of the story that i saw but the, the the story was actually sort of cool and interesting and had details that were were really nice um uh also there's another uh so jazzy is also like she has sort of a natural thing um and uh i i if you put her like in a class for like 6 weeks she would come out like pro i mean nice. she's not that close you know, nice. she's, she, some people can just write straight from the gut you know and she's yeah. she can ju- she can like just do that and all of these and and she doesn't she uh, like in all these cases, nobody overthinks like I do either. So i <laughs> I learn I learn from them, and they'll put their stuff out there too. But uh, it's uh, it's good stuff. I just think that a lot of times too, though, writing. Uh, writing can be a form of like therapy and comfort. It's like people say that this is closed body language. This is like, crossing your arms. This is closed uh-huh. body language. But uh, actually, it's 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 like self-soothing body language. You're, yes. you're literally hugging yourself. Yep. And, I, and I think that a lot of people write stories, especially OC stories, because they're uh, trying to put themselves into something familiar where they can win and do well. And like it's it becomes a like a form of visualization. Yeah. So I I think that stuff's really cool. Um I f- as far as a form of therapy, writing and uh speaking uh can be a th- form of therapy thing where you use words, but um yeah. When it comes to selling to others, like if you get really sharp shark about it or sh- sharks sharp about it, um you uh you definitely want to like make these characters. You want to like definitely say here are these characters uh probably uh, Firefly is a really good example. Like, the captain's a real
1: bastard, but he does
2: the right thing.
1: And, okay. I'll have to tell you, I've avoided that because I heard the way that it just abruptly ended, and, and I don't oh, want to get upset.
2: No, no, no. It's <laughs> it's one season, and then there's a movie, Serenity.
1: Right, right, right. I heard about they that. Didn't. It was just, it, it, everybody that I've talked to was like, it should have kept going, and it didn't. And they made a movie, and so I know about Firefly. I just haven't watched it. I would, I would, I would experience it because it's,
2: uh, you know, it, it. You're just sort of like, yeah, it was really bad. This thing didn't get more than one season, but uh, it's still worth. Like, it dovetails into Serenity and leaves you in a good place. It doesn't like just boom. It ends on a cliffhanger. I forget what did that. Gotcha. Was it uh, Alphas? Maybe. It was just like, well, who? <laughs> told you need to warn the writers before so that they can at least like make a Babylon five ending, you know, something that wraps things up quickly. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, so that's, uh, but you, you definitely, you definitely want to make characters that are sort of outside yourself and for reasons and you want to, yeah. be, and you want to not be afraid to let those people go through a hard time. Yeah. Um, You need to not take the dungeon master approach dungeon masters have a dirty little secret and that's they want they want their characters to succeed So got you got you and you have to like leave it even if you have to roll a dice to see what happens next you have to leave they have to be in danger and every once in a while you have to show that the danger is real like this was This she was a beautiful princess now she's missing an arm
1: that, and and I don't know why this just popped into my head, but John Wick. Yeah. yeah I, I know it's 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 different, than, but but while he is, like, the unstoppable force of, you know, ah, he's John Wick, he still gets messed up, and his dog dies. Sorry, if yeah. you guys haven't seen it, sorry, but that's within, like, the first 15 minutes of the movie. I didn't yeah. ruin the whole thing. But, yeah, there's it just, like, as funny as that is, because it's an action movie, you know, it's literally an action movie. If you've seen any of the John Wicks, it is insane action. I I love it, but just that. There's something that you care and you love and you're like, ah, it's dead. Why? Why? You know, like um, um, the whole reason why I haven't seen Marley and Me, why I refuse to see the movie Marley and Me. But it's, from what I've heard, an absolutely amazing story. It's it's a great movie, Old Yeller. Um, you know all these. You know where the red fern grows. Like all of these movies, and I'm just pulling out all the animal ones. All of these movies, they do have where the character is removed. I'll say it politely, oh, yeah. um, but but they're they're great stories. They're great movies. I mean, Star Wars, all the way through, Star Wars. You, you, there's plenty of things that, and I'm I'm hoping that everybody has seen at least the original three um, to know that some people don't make it out. But yeah, like I think you can almost list any movie that's majorly accepted. There are disappearing characters. Yeah. Or conflicts or characters who
2: watch out because it just became too much. Uh, I think Conroy, the guy who did the great Santini, it was about uh, the relationship between him and his father. And they were, the risk there was always, you know, being accepted as a son, what it took to accept your father. And sometimes the risk isn't like mortal danger. If you're doing like an action genre, like science fiction, maybe it'll, it'll happen more often, especially if you're talking about pew pew science fiction. But like, right. uh, but sometimes, I mean, oh man, what's... We go through a bunch of like uh, the, the the death tarot card almost literally almost never literally means death. It means that you've got you've gone through something that's so powerful that it changes you and sometimes it's that trauma, it's that um, you know, the death that you experienced there is you knew that your father might never accept you. but the triumph that you had is that when he gets drunk, he shows you that he's accepted you a little bit. <laughs>
1: I shouldn't be laughing, but I did. Not that I've lived through that, but I understand that. I I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Not with with my father, but with other people in my life. That exact thing where you're like, (laughs) fuck, why won't you just love me? Whoa, you've had some Jim Beam, and you love me? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, drink Jim Beam all the time when you're in my presence. You know? <laughs> right? I was like, when, when do you get them for birthdays and Christmas, Jim Beam? What else sure. by the case, buddy? <laughs> sure.
2: You don't have to lose your life to lose your – you don't have to, like – your heart doesn't st- have to stop beating to lose your life either. Uh. Yeah. I've been so a lot of this is coming back up just because of recent events and stuff, but a lot of uh a lot of satanic panic in the eighties. We just sort of see it as uh oh, it was this kitschy thing, it only happened here and there. But no, it was really widespread, like enough to uh the, there were things like the PRMRC uh, you know, wanting wording labels. They wanted more than that. And Walmart even gave it to them because there were some like heavy metal albums that were censored you would bring them home from walmart and be like what the hell did you do to this and they wouldn't so but like the satanic panic would take people's lives right out from under them you know you'd have somebody who was who just who would get accused of 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 just it was usually violent like ritual satanic abuse And that included a bunch of really unseemly things and was usually directed towards children. So I would see where if somebody had like a voice that was contrary to another person's voice and they said would sit on the same church board, that person would all of a sudden be at the end of accusations. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they had to like, you know, move states and the FBI were keeping track of them and, you know, stuff like that. And it's, you don't have to die to lose your life. These people took, it. you know, these people had to move and get, new jobs and move across the country because this community had decided that they were worshiping satan
1: which i've said it before i'll say it again i think you got a bad rap that's just my own personal thoughts Who's satan yeah oh well
2: he's also yeah it's uh it's a it's a case of where one like so uh christianity sort of comes from judaism um Uh And it's they've they sort of took the parts that were easy to control masses with and put it into Christianity. And then they left a bunch of stuff behind. And if you read into Judaism more, uh, Satan's more like a uh, like a prosecuting attorney. Like this is God's creation. He's the test. He's the beta beta tester.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, He's the one saying, oh, yeah, you think they love you, huh? That one right there. Go ahead and take away everything he has. See if he still loves you.
1: And and if you really think about it. That's the person that's working probably the closely with dad, uh, air quotes, uh, or or the the boss that is like more of the right-hand man than anything well, that's willing to take one for the team to uh, see if things are really what they are. These are also things that you can
2: reimagine. It's It's because, you know, it's like, okay, you have two people. Who knows what they, you know there's a world and the people in the world are what we might call gods. They can do these extraordinary things like build yeah. planets and stuff. And there's, here's uh, you know, Yahweh and Satan. They're sitting in the same classroom. Yahweh is like, this is a perfect universe. Look at this. Nobody's going to do better than this. And, and his buddy Satan's like, hey shit. Like,
1: <laughs> Check this out. Yeah. Watch this. And, and for me, and this is without getting too far into it, which I don't have a problem. I don't like. I know a lot of people are like, hey, we don't talk politics and in, in religion. Me, I'm the type of person that I can talk politics and religion without getting into a heated argument, so I have no problem talking po- politics and religion. Um, I may or may not say the most popular. I may say the most yes. popular. I don't know. This is just what I think. Um, but but I... Yeah, I, I do not think that It it is the story that's been told um, because I think that that story is just that, is what's a good story? What is a great story? And like you said, to control the masses, like what is a great story that is going to be universally picked up, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, Muslim, Judaism, uh, you know, Christianity, like... You know, some of the, the major religions have, in some of the, the minor religions have the same uh, storyline, right? The same yeah. concepts, uh, just different names and different things, so they're culturally a part of, you know, that area. Um, I think it was a, a fantastically done story. Uh, I think it's absolutely amazing done story obviously it's been around for a very 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 long time so it is a well done story do i think that it's a story i do um that's me people can disagree people can totally not like you know what i'm saying but i would put it up there with reading you know batman i would put it up there with reading lord of the rings you know it's they're they're great stories i like them
0: i mean technically you could say that the person who originally wrote the main stories of the Bible was the greatest storyteller alive ever. I don't know. You could argue with it just because of how many people follow that one book.
2: Most influential. Yeah. Influential. Best stories. Yeah. Best stories. Like, yeah, there's some good stories in there for sure. But, uh, the, 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 the thing is that, and what people don't I'm realize sure. it's, uh, so it was very important. Uh, it was very important. Uh, the, the in Africa, there were these uh, stories called Anansi stories, and Anansi was a spider. Okay. And uh, he ended up owning the stories in some versions. It just depended on who he took them from. But he, uh, the whole gist of that fable was that right. when the stories belonged to Tiger, stories were all about uh, you know dominance and hunting and killing. And when they passed on to Anansi, Anansi wasn't a great warrior. He was just really clever. So the stories became about you know getting through things through with cleverness instead of with force it's he he basically said he he got the stories right so but um in the end it was really insightful it's a really insightful story uh because uh we're all ruled by stories it's not just stories in religion it's the stories we tell ourselves yeah Uh, it's the stories we tell other people as opposed to what actually happened or the stories that we tell other people in spite of the fact they don't want to know what actually happened we're ruled like how we think of ourselves and the fact that we even even ourselves that that construct that we call a self and and zen buddhism uh self is considered to be a um an illusion now, once you get to the point where you can realize that that's way beyond where i'm at because i'm pretty sure this is me but um <laughs> the uh but it's uh but when you start to look at identity it's a bunch of stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and about other people yeah. so 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 if you use the same method that i use to build characters okay so i'll describe i'll describe myself when i was... I don't know. When's the, when's the first time I, okay. Well, it's it's myself around 14 years old, you know, uh, Tom, uh, uh, Tom lay in his room, staring up at the crucifix, uh, wondering if he was going to, if he was good enough not to go to hell. Um, he believed that he was good enough because he was, he didn't worship Satan. He believed he was good enough because he didn't drink or do drugs. Okay. Was that accurate then? I'm not sure. But, but uh, so, uh, I know that it, the first time I did that stuff was when I was 12.
1: I had a summer
2: of vice because I had friends on a farm. But, um, so, you know, you know, you tell yourself this story about who you are. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a person who participates in praise and worship in church. I'm a person who you know looks out for the little guy doesn't let people bully uh, others and uh, and then sometimes you find yourself in that that situation where it's like that Leonard Cohen song in my secret life where you're like yeah inside I'd I'd die for the truth but you know not in real life you know inside I would stand up for people but really I don't want to get punched in the face today
1: <laughs> right okay
2: yeah and but you know you you tell yourself a story about yourself and that's what makes you that's what makes you desirable or not desirable good or evil but the funny thing is that sometimes those stories diverge so the things you have these conflicts inside so it's like this thing makes me desirable but it doesn't make me good this thing makes me good but it doesn't make me desirable it that's makes brutal. us the same person so you know i'm desirable that's- because i pay attention to my girlfriend's body language when we're doing it on the other hand, I'm good because I go to church on Sundays.
1: Yeah. I mean, as long as you don't put the two together, I think that that's... Uh...
2: Oh, you ain't live till you put the two together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no comment.
1: Oh, gosh. All right there, peanut gallery. Yeah, you well, go... Uh, yeah,
0: hey, that's uh, my job hey if i wanted
2: to do if i just wanted to do flat out sex stories man i could do some about some confessionals
1: see i've always i've always wondered with that if the people that do those do them because that's really their interest or they know that they can tell the story and that is what pays the bills while they're doing what they really want to do that's going to take a long time
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think that that could be, and and you are really, like, I'm getting to the point where I'm really realizing that you really should go cross genre, and uh, you should, like, leave some of your writing for your experiences, but um, it's not always good to claim experiences publicly, because, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Yeah, it's like, (laughs) so, yeah, it's, uh, and when I mean confessional, I mean the little booth, Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, But because (laughs) I was so when I was a kid, really the story that makes the most—that's going to make the most sense—is I was just wildly divided against myself. I was like a pendulum that would swing back and forth between good and evil. It's like this week I might be, uh, you know, confessing my sins and and praise and worship in church. Next week I might be like doing something really, really awful and worshiping
1: Satan or something. You know, See, in, in my mentality on that is that I, I, it's sad to me that because of the stories that others have written that we've told ourselves, that we've put ourselves into those, that you have that, okay, I'm, I'm good and I'm evil, depending on the day, or yes. that's just you. You know what I mean? Like that encompasses all of you. Well, some things you've been told are evil, some things you've been told are good. Let's go into the the universe on the other side where now the reverse. Like you can go ahead and do that. Now the things that were good are evil, the things that were evil are good. Like I I and this is the psychology part of me, and am going, okay. I one I believe that I'm I'm perfect I'm perfectly me every every instance that's happened in my life has perfectly formed me, right? So I take away the oh I'm not perfect, wording that people use because people love to say that, um, and go I am I am perfect I'm perfectly me, you know I might not be perfect to your standards, but yes. I'm perfectly me and you're perfectly you that's the way I look at it, and I'm working really really hard on the. Um, Instead of like, okay, there's good parts to me, there's bad parts to me, going, there's just me. You know, I'm going to evolve where I evolve, physically, emotionally, mentally, but there's just me, and that's when I hear, you know, you say something like that, where you're just like, okay, you know, here, I'm going to go to church on this day, and then I'm going to worship Satan on this day. Well, how about you go to church of Satan, now you're doing them both, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like that, yeah. that sort of thing, where it's like, instead of focusing on well, there's good and bad parts of me. Uh, okay, how about we just go, there's parts of me, this is who I am, and this is what I do and where I go. I like to use the word evolve because evolve is just changing. You know, we, we may change. And, and I, I stay away from change sometimes, though, because it's like, well, i got to change to be better. That's the one I don't like. And I want to change to be better because that means that I'm bad now, you know, or I'm not as good now. I'm yeah. just me. I'm perfectly me. I'm where I'm at. I'm going to evolve, which means I'm going to grow into whatever I'm going to do next. Whether other people see it as good or bad, so be it. But you know, it I think that it age,
2: is. I think that age and experience take the the edges off of things like good and evil because it's yeah. uh, after a while you're just sort of like, and sometimes you realize that you have to be a worse person. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's if you like sometimes you realize that you're going to have to do the you know the the bad thing or the for your own survival or for your own quality of life like uh so i used to have this thing where i was super proud because i was doing manual labor right so i'd like work with my body and uh that went and then i was like hey why don't i do manual labor but we'll you know have a profession that made a difference so i became a nurse's aide and did really hard manual labor yeah, yeah. and then you know and and i had that thing going and so then eventually you know just injuries just flat out injuries and right. when it's it so i took that work ethic with me into it and i was just sort of like okay i'm an engineer now i've i need to well <laughs> an engineer uh <laughs> i it in america is the wild wild west In other places you have to have four years degree your degrees in america you just have to sort of have a few certifications and a willingness to take abuse but the the uh so I was just working, I'm you know, sorry. hard.
1: Willing really to take abuse. Okay, keep going.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I would just, you know, I'd knock out cases. I would let my boss push me way beyond where I should have been. It was affecting the quality to the customers, but here I was just steamrolling forward. Got nowhere, got nowhere, you know. And I was just like, you know what, I'd, I'd rather do something I like. And I was beginning to look at another job, you know, doing something more like I went to school for or something. and. Okay. Um, was beginning to look for another job. And then my boss pushed me into uh, applying to be a uh, team lead in tier one. And I was like, okay, you know what? He's trying to push me into this other thing too that I don't like. So I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to blow off the entire thing and let him know I'm not serious. right? So I put on a t-shirt and a tie and a vest, went to the interview, answered their questions, did not answer like in a humble way at all, was just like, no, that's not how you do that. Here's how you do that. Well, if you had a team, what would you do? I would just, you know, make them do their, you know, I I had, I answered correctly, you know, I I answered uh, according to my abilities. And so uh, we went, I went back to my little cubicle. We had like these cubicles that had a team of seven in them. So went back. You know, was just like, that'll stop him from bugging me for a while. And so later on that day, uh, a friend of mine, there were two positions open for tier one team leads, a friend of mine who sat in the back, a guy who would do his own elevator music when he was like, Hey, uh, hold on. I'm going to go check something out. And he'd sit there and go do, 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 (laughs) do, (laughs) do. Yes. Still friends with him. (laughs) And, uh, he uh he he went for the same job for for the job i went for the job there were two openings open and this was very a very contentious job opening like everybody all the team leads were jockeying for their people to get it just doing all sorts of ridiculous things so i was like that'll that'll teach them i'm not they're going to leave me alone for a while so i sat there and then all of a sudden i got an email that said i got the job yeah so you know Really, sometimes all you need is a little bit of flair and fuck you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> so just, and, and not exactly along the lines, was sort heard of along the lines of what you are talking about. I took a psychology to interviewing courses in college. When I when I went to college, uh, to get your associates, you have to do, you know, your, your um, the prereqs to all the crap that they want you to do. Not as much the focus. So almost all of my electives were psychology right so anything i could do with psychology i did so i found uh psychology of interviewing um or in- interviewing the psych- yeah psychology of-, psychology of interviewing and um for extra credit i set up a bunch of job interviews real life job interviews um, I, I wasn't doing it because the teacher said I could get extra credit. That's just the type of student I was, right, to where I would write a paper and I would go, hey, I did this. I don't expect anything extra. I'm just showing you this is my dedication. That was just That's how I was in school. i love school. Anyway, so I went to T-Mobile, um, to their call center. I remember it was T-Mobile. I went to the call center uh, to get interviewed and we had learned a lot about different styles and i was watching the interviewee like i was doing the experiment i was technically interviewing them they just didn't know it right that was the fun part so i went in there and i was just very professionally i had on a nice button-up shirt slacks dress shoes a tie everything right i was good to go but this particular interview i and it made me think of it because what you said i was that cocky son of a bitch that's that was how I was going into this one. I, you know, questions like why Why do you think that you would be good at this job? Because I'm the best at every job that I go into. I plan on coming in here and showing you that I'm going to be the top performer within weeks to a month max. If you guys watch me, I'm going to be the best one you have. Well, what are your goals? My goals to run this whole thing. I don't want to stop here just at the floor. I don't want to stop just a supervisor. I want to sit in that office at the top of this building and be the biggest person in this place. Like, that was the, the way that I did it. The thing that I couldn't have planned for that worked out better than anything ever was, they, it was it was in the call center that we were having this, this interview in, in the office. They were having a team meeting uh, in a couple of um, rooms over. Right. And that was when the big thing was, all right, who's going to do it? We're going to do it. Who's going to be the best?
3: We're going to be the best. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That shit was going on. So the, the, the lady had asked me a question. I'd answered something very pompously. And right at that moment, all you heard was cheering and clapping. Right. And me, I feel like I'm a fairly quick, quick person. Before she was able to, because I had finished what I was saying, the cheering started before she could ask the next question. I said, well, it looks like they like me. It looks <laughs> like they're into what I'm saying to you. And then I just sat back. I, I shit you not. You know that thing you were talking about, about, you know, crossing the arms? Yeah that lady went from leaned over talking to me to leaning back in her chair she crossed her legs over she put her arms and kept asking questions and i'm like oh i just fucked this whole interview up <laughs> so i doubled down and every time they cheered i'm like look you you can't help but not hire me they already want me here you know like that sort of thing like i i went to town i did not get that job by the way um <laughs> <I> went- <laughs> I went to town, double and tripling and down on it, uh, but but it, it, it honestly though, and it's just going to with storytelling and, and and you know the that was a a part of me. I I try not to be a pompous person. I try not to be a boastful person, but at the same time, it feels nice to say some good shit about yourself. It it really does as a human being. So, I actually the reason why I said things the way I did, I said it with conviction because. I believe and i still do if i was to be put in that position today that i believe that i was going to be the best person in that call center if i would have got hired i also believe that with my work ethic i would have ran that whole fucking thing like that was you know i believe whether or not it actually would have happened that's politics but you know do i believe that i could have done it yeah so when i said it, i said it with absolute conviction and I, I think it kind of perturbed her. I think when she really closed off those, when I, I was just like, you know, what you do, that's a position that I'll probably move up into, and then I'll move, you know, past that. So I think it, in some way, I kind of insulted her, which I didn't mean to. I was just showing how I'd run my way up the ladder to, to greatness. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, I, I, that was oh, yeah. just a whole phantom something that I had thought about while we you were saying stuff. Well, I the so I I got I
2: I had an interview at Waterbeds and stuff years ago. I was looking for a second job when I was still working uh, as a uh it's hard to explain like a, a dispatch person at Chase and um uh, I was looking for a second job because I was just like, nobody taught me what debt was and uh, I didn't catch on to it real well. Um, but <laughs> greed is what my <laughs> problem was. So uh, uh, I, it almost ended in a fist fight. Like I, I was shown okay. to the door. Uh, well, no, it, it was so, I just had it in my head. I've, I've I, I still have idealism. And I think that that might not be such a good thing. It's like uh, a tree in winter still having fruit on it. But the but I, I went to that as well in a, a T-shirt and a, and tie. And the guy looked at me and said, do not take me seriously. I was like, this is waterbeds and stuff. How seriously do you want me to take it? And uh, he he was just like okay, okay, so you got a little, you got a little fire, and then he's like, okay, so here's what happens, and I was gonna get the job anyways, because it's waterbeds and stuff, and he's like, okay, you can't do the, uh, you can't do the, you have to, if anybody even brings up what they're gonna use the pipes for, you can't sell it to them, and you know, if you, uh, you know, all this stuff, and he's like, and uh, there are usually six people working here on the, in the evenings during the holiday season, and uh, I was like, yeah, but I only see one register, And he was like, well, yeah, all six people use the same register. I was like, fuck, I do. (laughs) It's like, what do you mean? I was like, I was like, you don't put, you don't, like, I knew enough from working at a gas station, you don't put... You don't put six. You don't put two people on the same register, no. and I was just like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, that's not gonna work out." He's like, "Do you mean I saw? I'm sitting here putting up with your tie and t-shirt, and and you know, and you're telling me how to run a business." And it turned into like, "If you knew how to run a business, you wouldn't be doing that." Tell me how short you are at the end of the holiday season, and it just turned
1: Ooh. into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the real question is, were you wrong though? I wasn't wrong in a sense. I was you very know, I mean, wrong in another. Maybe delivery could have been adjusted.
2: Well, no, but, I mean, there just comes a certain point. It was, you know, I, to this point, uh, to this day, I mean, that store eventually shut down. And I can only guess, like, one of the many reasons. But, you know, it, I might have had – who know, and, and who knows, like, if we hadn't gone through that right then, I might have accidentally gotten the job. Uh, <laughs> And then I'd be like, partway through November, and then somebody's like dipping into the cash till, and guess who it's going to be? It's going to be the T-shirt tie guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, that's 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 the first thing. Because as a business owner myself, and, and been one for a while, first thing is accountability. If you yeah. have six people grabbing at the same cash till, look, you got a good one in six chance that one of those needs lunch and doesn't have money on them. But they will get lunch, right? Yeah. It's it's not seen as guaranteed, but that's a pretty good chances that that somebody's buying Taco Bell for the office, and really the office bought Taco Bell for everybody, if you know yeah. what I mean. Well, what
2: turned it from uncomfortable to red hot was the things that I was saying. His uh, employees were nodding their heads, and like I was hearing, uh-huh.
3: Ooh. I was like, so
2: I bet you, have you ever come, come out with more money in the uh, register <laughs> than you should have? You always come out with less, don't you? And uh, somebody... <laughs> Somebody behind the counter was like, yeah, that's what's up. <laughs>
3: well,
1: see, look, look being, being real about it, being real about it, it's, <laughs> I mean, sometimes people need to hear that shit, though. I'm just oh, I'm man. just going to be honest. There's been times that I've had an employee tell me shit. The first thing I wanted to be was like, screw you, right? Don't tell me where I messed up. And then I realized they're telling me where I messed up. <laughs> I, should, I should go ahead and fix that real quick because you know, that is a break.
2: <laughs> The
1: sad thing about
2: it was I was only one of two of uh, two people I know that got tossed out of the same waterbeds and stuff. And the other was a guy who went in for Flint. But the problem was that a couple of months, uh, about a year earlier, he had been in an ATV accident. Like I was on... Uh, vacation in Baltimore when I got the call, your friend has a 30% chance to live, you know, go, go out. Yeah, he got dumped on his head off of an ATV. Those things are so Ooh. he got he got dumped on his head. And then, you know, he wasn't quite right after that. And yeah. uh, so he, he went in to buy some flints. Something he said made them think that he wanted a pipe for weed or something. They wouldn't sell him flints. In that waterbeds and stuff. Well, he was not, like, he wasn't all there, so he dropped into this, like, what he considered to be a demon voice and then got really polite about the way he cursed him out. He was just like, I hope you and you go to a hot, fiery place. So, of course, they, like, they called the cops because that's, fucking, that's, sorry. Some, that's some fucking crazy shit. Go
1: to and, a hot, fiery place.
2: Yeah, it was yes. just like, yeah, it was just, he was just like, I don't know. My twenties were weird.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? I want I want to say on that note, the hot fiery place note. <laughs> <laughs> I you know what? I kind of want to use that on somebody. I don't want to <laughs> tell somebody to go to hell anymore. I don't want. I'm not a big like believe in hell person, but we're just gonna go out on here and go. I I don't want to tell people to go to hell anymore. If somebody really ticks me off, I'm gonna be like, "Hey, I hope you go to a hot, fiery place." It, it could be like Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, and they get the spicy one. It could be, uh, you know, like a Indian buffet where they have like the, you know, the really spicy food. It could be one of those. It it could be um, Arizona. <laughs> Either way.
0: <laughs> nah, I'm gonna stick with my ghost up on a Lego
1: go step on a lego in a hot fiery a place you know i'm just saying go step on a hot fiery lego
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that that's 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 a word image <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: but i i i think that this is a good good spot i appreciate you giving us your time today like it oh, it's my sitting down and talking with you is like it is really neat it's it's neat that i get to talk to people but like being able to dig into the way you think about things, watch your thought process real time, and then getting to know you even on a deeper level on top of it is really really cool. Uh, I'm I'm grateful that I know you, uh, your family. Uh, you guys are you guys are really good people. Like this this is pretty neat. It's pretty. Try not to it's be hurtful. too destructive. Yeah, you know a little too destructive. I almost said never hurt anyone, but I'm like, yeah, it, it probably has. But, but, but like, <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. Sometimes you gotta break yeah. the
2: build, right? You know. Except yeah, it's place. so before before I met Faye, um, like I was pretty like you never knew what you were gonna get out of me, honestly. Because just, <laughs> but after I met her, uh, I think that we solved a lot of things in each other's life, and that's how we know. That it was love, but we See, okay,
1: both. that's cool. She
2: she knows she knows more martial arts than I do, and nice. And she will hurt a motherfucker.
1: That's dude. That, hey, that's what's up. But that's we both love.
2: We both know that neither of us have bail money, so we behave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. Knowing all the things, right? It's yeah. knowing yeah. all In real the truth, not, I'm not. just how to bust your ass but also to go but I can't get you out of jail so we're gonna oh yeah just make them yeah, swing how first many,
0: how many times Potch, have I done the same thing with you you're yeah. like I'm gonna go kill somebody and I'm like no you're not I can't bail your ass out of jail
1: Look, FBI guy I didn't really say I was gonna <laughs> kill anybody all right I might have said like broken limbs or something you know I'm gonna like throat punch but not kill him okay yeah let's clarify that for the FBI guy but <laughs> you know like yeah dude you know what I'm gonna go like that dude in the nuts. You know what? I don't have bail money for you, honey. Crap. Okay, we're good. I just needed to say it, I guess. You know, and then once reality, is that I want to sit there until Monday, and it's a Friday evening. I don't want to do this. Well, I, I
2: really think it's great that you guys are going for it with the art, um, and that you're putting your art out there too, because it's it's really important. I'm glad to see stars doing art and putting it out oh, there. Oh yeah. Glad oh, to yeah. see. And it's 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 inspiring because it's like like i think that getting involved with you and your community is one of the things that started moving me towards putting stuff out there like like before last year i hadn't even i hadn't gigged out anywhere for since like 1999 or 2000 really yeah i like once and it was like it wasn't a good gig but it was uh the yeah but yeah so seeing you guys do it like helped me uh Helped me get out and do it. So okay, there's always that passing flame, awesome. candle to candle. You know, that's also the mental, the mental health aspects of what you talk about. And I think that there are a lot of people who also suffer from chronic pain. Uh, that yeah, like it's good to see people who are moving on with life while having it. And it like, <laughs> I think it's I would have any... like. Between my back and my shoulder, I just, like, there were just a few times where I was, like, it's, I don't even know how I'm going to make it the next day, but you guys do it. Like,
1: Bro, I miss, I'm, I'm going to be real with seeing, you. We, we've had those same moments. Like, oh, yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times that I've woken up and just been, like, not today. Today's not <laughs> today." The and then, you know, I, I I go, yeah, but if not tomorrow, I'm going to kick myself for it. And that's, that's sort of my way of pushing through things like that. Is tomorrow me is going to be mad at today me, and I don't like getting mad at myself. So you know, let's just let's, yeah. let's just do it. I, I I will say that especially um, you know just after my my car accident when when I was introduced to, to such chronic severe pain, there were plenty of dates where I, I said no, and and I got out of bed just to make nachos and got back in bed for it, um, and that was it. You know, so, like, I I get that, Um, but I I have hit that point where it's just, like, you know, I can either watch day after day pass, year after year pass, and wonder why I'm not where I want to be. Oh, wait, it's because I didn't do, you know, blame it on the pain, which is a very valid thing, very valid, Um, or just go, all right, I'm going to look at my new limitations, but i'm going yeah. to do the best with everything that i have and and you know just be happy at the end of the day now now tomorrow me looks back at t- me, today me and goes hey you you freaking did it dude you know good yeah. job yeah
2: yeah that's 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 a good way to do things there's some da- <laughs> there's still some days where it's just like oh man chronic pain changes you Dude. It really does. <laughs> well,
0: don't don't get us wrong either. There are those days where the both of us will crawl out of bed. We're like, yeah, we're not doing shit today. We're yeah. going back to bed. Yeah, like that's... it happens more often than we would like to admit, unfortunately.
2: Well, I, I think that I think that also like especially when you're a couple and you're so like linked into each other and also, you know, who knows what causes some some stuff to flare up like uh, yeah pressure pressure in the atmosphere who knows but like sometimes she and i the same days are just sort of limping towards what we need to do you know
1: but But it's but but we're all doing it together i was going to say keep in mind though you might be limping towards it but at least you're going towards it limp or no limp crawl or no crawl roll or no roll sometimes and i say that sometimes i roll out of bed we used to have our, our bed as just a box spring and a mattress on the floor because I'm not a materialistic person. I don't need that, you know, $2,000 bedroom set that, you know, blah, 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 blah. But we did get a platform to put our bed on now because it hurt like hell to try and stand up. <laughs> <laughs> I needed yeah. something I could roll off of and land on my feet because that's the only way I was standing that day. <laughs> Oh, my so, gosh yeah <laughs> Those things are they they're for a purpose, not for vanity. I'll tell you what.
0: <laughs> Although oh, that God. comes with its own unique set of challenges too now because we also have four cats that live in our room. Three of them are kittens, <laughs> and just about everything we own ends up underneath said bed. on more than one occasion
1: you have a kitten and and maybe somebody listening can help out maybe maybe you can Zan. you have kittens that are three pounds and i have a cane right i have i have a cane that's made out of metal it's not super light it's not super heavy but it's a cane right (laughs) my curiosity is i went to look for something so i got down on my hands and knees and i looked under my bed and my cane was under the middle of my bed. Now I would say maybe star I put it there, but it was too far for us to randomly just set. I (laughs) want to know how these three pound cats moved my entire cane under the bed. Uh, that's so. We have
2: we have, we have a friend whose whose cats just they had some sort of crinkly unicorn thing. the The cats can get inside. That's how he described it to me. It's it sounds like a cat a cat playhouse of some sort. And it was under his coffee table, wedged under his coffee table. And he heard a noise one morning. He went down to figure out what it was. The cats had dragged it out from under the. Coffee table, had dragged it over to where the uh, basement stairs were and shoved it down the basement stairs.
0: <laughs> I just pictured this happening in my head. <laughs> With- just this unicorn tumbling and over. End. <laughs>
1: The cat standing up in like the uh, the looking up view of the cat silhouettes just looking down <laughs> yeah. at it like we've murdered you. <laughs> <laughs> D- bitch. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I could see just a little paw with that one middle finger.
2: With cats oh. where there's a will, there's a way. They won't they don't <laughs> like Mike Kane, Mike cane is made out of wood. I don't think they like it so much, but man, do they love the hell out of some of these wires.
1: Dude, dude. Oh, okay. the wires. A, a, a forty-two inch screen, t- forty-two or forty-seven. I don't know, but a LED TV with on the stand. Uh, we we have our our uh, our. Dresser, like a low-boy dress, dresser in the closet. Um, almost all of our hang-up clothes are in my office because the cats would jump up and hang on them, right? So the closet got emptied out because the cats wanted to wear the clothes, I guess. Um, so the dresser is in the closet, so it opens up room in, in our bedroom, right? You know, we're like, hey, this this will be great spacing. So we put the TV on top of the dresser, so that was, you know, further away. And, and So anyway, I was streaming one day, and I heard a crash. and And, you know, I'm like, okay, the cats are being crazy. You know, and this is when they were still, you know, two two pound little buggers. Like, they were still small. And I thought maybe they knocked over a box fan. We have box fans to circulate the air. Um, And so I didn't think twice about it. And I get a a text on my phone from Star, who's in the same house. And I'm like, random. Uh, And it's a picture. And that TV was upside down on the floor. And, and, and mind you it's a, a very nice LED uh I should say was that's given away part of the story a nice LED smart TV right yeah a, an arm and a leg when it was brand new it's a couple years old and so I see the picture and I'm like oh they knocked the, the um the TV off the the dresser which was a feat in itself you know um uh, they had to they had to have like huddled up behind it, you know, blue 42. Like, they had to have worked together. <laughs> and then she sends another picture of it turned on. And so when I said it was a LED TV, there, I don't know how they did it, but they broke it in two different places on the screen, spiderwebbed it two separate places. And I'm like, you're so small. Like, how did you do this to, to this TV? <laughs> and I still don't totally understand how they did it, but they did.
2: That's their superpower. Like, they, have you ever caught an adult cat teaching a kitten how to knock things off a shelf? No. Oh, it's great. Yes. <laughs> you little turd.
0: Yes, I have. Fidget oh. has taught all three of those girls.
2: Yeah, so it, like, cat kittens will do it wrong the first time. They'll take everything and just sweep it off. But if you if their mom or, you know, another adult cat catches them, the cat they'll actually hold the kitten back and go, no, this is how you do it. And they'll do it one at a time wow. and shove it right off the side. And it was just like, and the more complicated your cat's personality is, uh, the, the more likely it's going to happen that way. Like there are some cats that are very, they're just very simple cats. And then there are cats like Bengals that have a very complicated personality. And they'll just be like, no, 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 no. That's not how you shove that stuff off. Here's how you do it, and they'll like work in tandem to do it.
1: And... <laughs> look, look, look! These humans like this thing. This is yeah. how you destroy it. you. If you look, little kitten, my my child, if you want to make them cry, we all want to make them cry. This is how you do it. <laughs> Come on, don't make me smack yeah, you. You no. gotta make them cry correctly. Fidget,
0: yeah. Fidget, taught Panda, and Panda ran with it and taught the other two, and oh, now. Gosh.
1: Panda is a tornado.
0: Dude, Panda and Bear are both just horrible cats that knock everything over and are little tiny hurricanes of destruction.
1: That we love dearly and we feed and spend tons of money to make sure that they're well taken care of and and (laughs) they live a very soft life. Yet, Bear is an all-black void cat, right? And Bear, from the beginning from from a kitten because because the mom cat is there like we watched him be born bear was this puffy little black cat like puffy puffy and i'm like we're keeping that one we were gonna get rid of all of them i'm like bear stays right like i'm protecting bear bear is ours um so bear is this sweet innocent like don't hurt me sir please don't hurt me i'm just a little kitten right that look yeah, and, and then when you come in, Bear sort of like hunkers in the corner like I've been beat enough, sir, even though Bear's <laughs> been babied and protected like no other cat I've ever seen. Yet Bear's the one that you close the door and you can almost hear, fuck yeah, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> and if you walk in a bear's like, no, sir, I didn't do it, don't beat me. Like what? That is the relationship <laughs> of, of bear.
0: And she's also the one that instigates all the fights in the bedroom, all of them.
1: Well, I was going
2: to suggest, but it sounds like you shouldn't have them near LED TVs, but we started to play Stray, and uh, did you... (laughs) So now Pi will get up next to the TV, and, like, she wants to get through the screen to the other cat and just say hello. And over on the other side of the screen are places what? where she can jump up without getting sprayed. So now it's just, like, constantly <laughs> Pi it in front of the television trying to get through.
1: <sighs> kitty, kitty. Um, cool. Dude, cats, cats. You know what we need to do? We need to just have. We need to have like fifteen people on and do a cat podcast. <laughs> Z- Z- that's Z- Z- that's Z- yeah. like it'll be chaotic, but it, that will be reasonable for a cat podcast. Just, just one episode, fifteen people, insanity, laughing, crying, and then that'll be it.
0: Sharing <laughs> <And> <laughs> stories of cats.
1: Yes, it'll be the eight-hour <laughs> podcast of, of sadness. And joy at the same time. <laughs> It'll That's be a expression. Stephen King novel where you build up the one and then it dies. So yeah, like, <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, there not the cat more, dies. Baby. Your no, 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 not the cat dying Your hopes and dreams of having things not broken in your home die That's what dies.
2: <laughs> How'd you get into the engine block?
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: How long have you been living on the exhaust?
1: <laughs> like, hey, didn't you buy a brand new Ford F two fifty last year? Why is it taken apart in your driveway, cats? <laughs> yeah, cats. That's my my dream is over, cats. <laughs> but we don't then, know
2: how I got into the catalytic converter. We just know we had to deal with it,
1: right? And then <laughs> why is not that balance in my shoe? <laughs> why don't you yeah. get rid of the cat? What? No, never. We'll never get rid of that. Are you insane? Oh
2: yeah. boy. That's... That would be a hell of a podcast. Oh gosh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I kind of feel like we need to do it soon. I'll get a hold of you when we do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but right. that being that being said, um, I think we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. It has been fantastic talking to you. I really appreciate your time. Um, it's been great it's It's super appreciated and that's that's I say that very very I mean it like the one thing that we do have as humans is time and so I appreciate you giving me some of yours. Um, that's freaking awesome. Well, um, well said, I think you Thank know, you I, for agree me you. I agree with you. Um, if there's anything that you you want to share with people, whether it be a link to a book uh, your your music, your you know twitch, whatever um, go ahead and shoot us over any links. Yeah, yeah. I uh, already We've did got cool and I'll put them in the uh, description yeah. <laughs> everybody that's listening I encourage you check them out please go click on all of the links um, and, and there's going to be something in there this multifaceted human that, that I know that you will enjoy um, and, and maybe I'm saying that because I'm biased but I don't care I'll say it anyway <laughs> uh, well, thank But you. Uh, yeah, absolutely dude absolutely sorry thank you for hanging out I appreciate Always. you and your, your cute little cat ears uh, that you're wearing today. I'm um, glad you're still standing in your chair. And uh,
0: <laughs> I could stand on my chair if you really wanted me to. Um,
1: but I think the best way to end this is just with the chorus of goodbyes to all the listeners. So, listeners, we we appreciate your time. We appreciate you hanging out. Go check out the other uh, podcasts that are now named The Podchcast. I hope you enjoy them all. And uh, we will talk to you all very, very soon. Okay, Bye bye Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of the podcast. We appreciate your time, and we hope to see you back again for more very soon. Until then, take care, have a wonderful day, and go follow Pochfad on Twitch.